0: people suck. Wow. No.
1: I'm about 2017, game of the year.
2: I don't know something like that. I fucked it up. Second, second take, second take is always always really tough.
1: I had to yeah. do it twice. Ice the kicker. Oh <laughs> uh, anyway, this is uh, the second part of the game of the year podcast. You've already listened to Drew, John, and Sophie give their list. Uh, but this week, I have with us Mr. Matt Quinn. Hello. I have Mr. J. Namaste. And we got the Wombat too.
0: I can't repeat my greeting from the last time, so.
1: Okay. Well anyway, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're doing fire drill here, cause Wombat gotta go. That's right. But I'm on the clock. He is on the clock. It's
0: like the NFL draft here. I'm on the clock.
1: I'm waiting on my <laughs> phone call from the Cleveland Browns. Number one pick, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? They probably would draft you. <laughs> Could they probably <laughs> They probably would. They're like, ah oh, man, this guy's got some skills. I'm like, What?
0: <laughs> you see me pick had up the scouts f- outside your window and you just didn't know it this whole time.
1: That's right, you see me pick up the phone got Dorito crumbs on my shirt. What's <laughs> up? Anyway, Wombat, your top games of 2017.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. So, um let me throw some honorable mentions out first. Um I'm going to add uh honorable mention uh, for Cuphead, and honestly it's only getting an honorable mention from me probably because I haven't played as much of it as I would like. So um, playing more of it, it may grow in stature. I have liked what I've played, but I didn't feel comfortable putting it on the, the list proper with the the bit that I have played.
2: One, one question, Ryan. Did you play co-op or did you play single-player? Co-op. Co-op, ah, that's a, that's, a, that's a fun way to play it.
0: Yeah, and it's um, it's been a blast. And I, I was a little worried that my son would get discouraged because it's so hard, but mm-hmm. um, he hasn't been. So that's good. Um, it, uh, it's been fun to play co-op. Um, the other two honorable mentions I'm going to throw out. One of these is going to is going to be a dagger to Ken's heart, but that's okay. Huh. Are um, two fighting games this year that had storylines that I greatly enjoyed for completely different reasons. Um, one of them was Injustice 2, and the other was Tekken 7. Um, nice. I loved both stories. Um, I'm not, I'm not the type of person who can spend enough time to be all that dramatically involved in fighting games anymore. Uh, so I, I, need the ones with the really good stories, and those two both had stories that, that I had a blast with for completely different reasons. Tekken 7, uh, I mean, at one point you kick a missile out of the air. You do. Uh, Kuma shows up out of nowhere.
1: And essentially um, which, created Tekken. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Um, it, it was just, it was so bananas, um, but it, it was an absolute blast. So um, those two I'm going to put as honorable mentions. My number 10 pick of Game of the Year is a very unique situation because in addition to being my number 10 pick, it is also probably my disappointment of the year, uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and, and that's Destiny 2. Um, the time I spent with Destiny 2, I had a lot of fun with it, and I went into this year with that game being one of my most anticipated releases. The original Destiny was the reason I bought a PlayStation 4. Um, this year, like I said, I had fun with it for a while. Um, and then it just fell off a cliff, uh, and I I couldn't bring myself to play, uh, much more of it at all. So, um, the time I spent with it, which was a, a lot of time, probably 50 hours, I don't know, um, I can't, I can't keep it off my list because of the fun that I had for those 50 hours, just because it completely fell out of favor with me, uh, but... It it was disappointing to me that that happened. Uh, Number nine was uh, Mario and Rabbids. Uh, uh, Nice. Which uh, was a game that if you had asked me at the beginning of the year what I thought about it, I probably would have said, Nah, I mean, it's not really all that. It it looks okay, but it doesn't look like something to make me buy a Switch. Uh, And it is really good. Um, I, I enjoy not only the gameplay, but also just watching the Mario characters interact interact with the Rabbids characters because it brings out a certain degree of wackiness uh that isn't that is sometimes but isn't always present in uh mainline Nintendo titles. So I thought it was um a little bit of a leap that paid off pretty well. Um because it, again, if you had asked me before, hey, how do I think Mario would mix with the Rabbids? <laughs> uh, but they pulled it off. So, that's I'm, the next I, Switch game I want to get. You should. It's I mean, it's it's really really fun. And if you're if you like turn-based strategy, um you you'll definitely enjoy it. Um number 8 is a game that I am quite certain will not be on anybody else's list. And I, I haven't listened to the show from yesterday, so maybe it was and I'm <laughs> just not aware of it. Um It's a game that I got for free that completely took me by surprise, and that is Slime Rancher. Um, Hmm. I don't know if any of the rest of you guys played it or spent any
1: considerable amount of time with it. I played it. I didn't spend a lot of time with it.
0: It is a game that manages to both be very enjoyable to me and also incredibly tense and stressful. Um I, I tell my son that we'll, we'll play it and we'll play for a couple hours and I'm like, okay, we got to be done because uh, I shouldn't say a couple hours, about an hour and then I, I got to be done because it's too uh, tense for me. Uh, you're constantly you're managing the slimes on your ranch and whether they have enough food or not, and then you're going out to try and find new materials or to try and find new slimes and when you're out finding new slimes, you're constantly worried that one of them's going to eat the wrong thing and turn into a monster and start chasing you. Um, and once they turn into monsters, they quickly infect everything else around them. So it goes from one monster to five or six, all attacking you and all attacking all the other slimes. Um, it does a great job of pairing music with that, um, and creating a mood. It's got a nice sort of exploration vibe. Um, so that was a game that completely caught me by surprise, but it, it is on, or um, it's probably in. Honestly, the top five games this year that I've spent time on, um, just because it's it's easy to kind of get lost spending time in that game. So if you haven't played it, uh, I'm sure you probably mm-hmm. haven't. If you're like me and you. Uh, add everything to your library when it goes free. Did that go
2: for free on Xbox, I guess? It was,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, it actually released on Xbox this year. It was out on early access on Steam last year, but I'm still Mm -hmm. counting it as a this year game because it didn't get wide release until this year. Um, So, yeah, you guys, if you have it for free in your library and it's just been sitting around, you should check it out. Um, Number seven is a game that uh, I spent... A tremendous amount of time in this year across um, both the beta and the full release, and then like Destiny Two, it completely fell off of my uh, gaming time, and that's for Honor. Um,
1: I forget that I, game came out this year. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> came out in February.
0: Yep, yep. Holy and. Crap. Uh, it had, um, you know, it had a, a a pretty fun story mode as well, but the, the biggest draw here was the multiplayer, and for me, it was essentially an online multiplayer game that, um, even though it, it's not a direct analog, it felt the most like it sort of captured, captured the spirit of the early Bushido Blade games to me, and um, I had... Uh, like Destiny, a tremendous amount of fun for the short time that I uh, spent a lot of time with the game. Uh, But then, you know, games like that, um, and Destiny 2 was like this for me too. Games like that kind of thrive on who you're playing with. Um, And no no one else in my circle really played a tremendous amount of that game, at least not uh, at the same time that I was playing it. And playing with random people just kind of got old after a while. So... Um, I imagine if that game had stuck around in our specific circle a little bit longer than it did, it probably would have been higher on my list. Uh, but as it is, it comes in at, uh, number seven. Um, number six is MLB The Show 18. Uh, MLB The Show used to be a staple in my game of the year list. It was in there almost every year. And then last year I didn't play it at all. And, um... To have skipped a year and then come back to this one, it was a really substantial improvement, especially um, in the area that I play the most, which is the road to the show mode. Um, They made a lot of quality of life improvements. The gameplay was still top-notch. In my opinion, it is... And and I even though I, I really like the NBA uh two K series, it is the best and most consistently top notch sports franchise that exists. Um and uh I am I am really psyched up and excited for next year's version. Are are you planning to get it? Do you get it pretty much every year? I do. Yeah, last year was the only year I didn't. So um the uh but yeah, I will um I will definitely be playing it next year. And uh, the the best thing that that franchise ever did and why every single other sports franchise hasn't done this yet is completely beyond me. The best thing they ever did was allow you to carry your created career uh, over season to season. So um, if you have a career that you started on last year's game, Uh, The fact that you can pick it up and and continue that on the next year's version was a fantastic addition a couple years ago, and uh, I'm surprised that every other sports game hasn't already stolen that. Um, Number five is a game, actually, that I just finished yesterday. Um, (laughs) It snuck its way onto my list uh, based on the strength of having finished it yesterday, and that's Wolfenstein 2. I was going back and forth with Ken yesterday, uh, and at one point in the story, I won't spoil anything, but something very, very major happens, and I thought it was the end of the game and i I said man that was uh that was a very satisfying way to end the game and then something else super crazy happens, and I thought, oh okay, it's not over yet so i I text Ken and said hey how much uh, how much longer do I have in this game, expecting them to say oh you've got like You're probably 80% of the way done. And he goes, you're about half. (laughs) (laughs) I said half. Um, But the second half of that game, even though it goes some weird and crazy places, um, it accomplished exactly what I loved about the first uh, new version of Wolfenstein last year, uh, or year before last. And that is it establishes an excellent cast of characters um, and then tells a story that, yes, is weird, and yes, is surreal, and yes, goes to some very strange places, but within that universe still feels cohesive. Um, it reminds me a bit – I was trying to think in the run-up to this what, um, what those two games remind me of. And I decided that the game that they remind me of uh, is Hitman Absolution, which also – um, took an established franchise and put some wacky characters around it, and kind of took it in this surreal, sort of grindhouse direction. Um, but did it very successfully, in my opinion. And that's that's the way I view this this new incarnation of the Wolfenstein series. Um, I think they do some of the best character building, quite honestly, um, in uh, all of gaming today. Comes out of that series. I think they do a great job of bouncing characters off of each other and establishing personalities and doing the stuff in between missions on the ship that allows you to sort of get a little bit more um, – uh, a little bit broader viewpoint on how some of the characters react to different things. So I uh, I loved it, and I'm anxiously anticipating the, uh, the follow-up where hopefully I can shoot some more Nazis in a different country. <laughs>
2: Ryan, uh, one question. Which yep. uh, guy did you have, Fergus or the other guy?
0: Uh, Wyatt. Wyatt. Okay, cool. So, which one did you do?
2: I did Fergus, and uh, I will recommend, highly recommend that you, at the very least, YouTube the scenes I did that oh, you did. You did, yep. yeah, yeah. I great. did Different, watch the uh,
0: the Fergus scenes already. Uh, have you watched the Wyatt stuff yet? I did.
2: I did. I uh, love it too. was.
0: I, I loved Wyatt in this game. I picked him in the first game, um, mostly just because I felt like it was the it was the right choice based on the fact that he was younger and. Mm-hmm. Um, all that, but um, I loved his character in this game, and the arc that he goes on is actually pretty, um, uh, pretty impressive. It is, and uh, I loved, uh, I loved some of the sequences that come out of uh, his area, especially visually. There's a really cool, and I won't spoil it for anybody. Um, there's a really, really visually cool moment at the uh, at the beginning of a mission. Uh, because of wyatt 's character and uh, it it was a complete surprise but a, a real a real fun one so uh, I definitely if you haven 't played that game, you definitely should and uh, i will um, I will put a notch in the board for the the wyatt side um, number four uh, is a game that quite honestly in any other year probably would have been at the top. Um, But this year just had too much stiff competition around it. And that's Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, They took a franchise that by all indications, even though I have enjoyed um, every iteration of it, uh, was getting stale. And they have taken that franchise now and thrown it off in a brand new direction. Um, the, The world... Uh, that they've created, and the map that they created uh, in Egypt is tremendous. It's my favorite map yet uh, in any of the Assassin's Creed games. Probably the only one that even comes close, in my opinion, is Rome, um, when they did Rome in uh, the Ezio trilogy. Um, But I I am completely flabbergasted by the work that they put into the map in this game, and uh, to the point that... I am not very far in the main story of that game, but I have already just because the pull to explore was so high. Um, I've already been to every single location. Um, I've already unlocked every single viewpoint. Um, and just because I couldn't help myself from going territory to territory and seeing what it would look like. Um, I, has anybody else seen the whole map in that yet?
1: I'm uh, no. about 80%. I haven't seen it all yet.
0: So the... Um, I, I can't even... Horizon is the only other game I can think of in recent memory. And, and The Witcher, obviously, but I'm I, that's in a completely different class for me. Um, the map is so distinct... Visually and just the different things that happen and the different people that you see from the top left half uh, top uh, top left half of the map um, to the bottom and the bottom right half of the map it's it's like a completely different world so um, i I am completely on board with um, the main character and his motivations I think they did a tremendous job. He's probably behind Ezio at this point as my favorite main character in a uh, an Assassin's Creed game. Um, his his story is very well told, uh, and I'm really looking forward to um, plowing through more of the storyline in that game. But just just as an accomplishment to take a series as established as Assassin's Creed and to make the changes that they made this year, and um, I I, I think a, a big um shout-outs should go from from that team um, to the team at CD Projekt Red, because I think there's a lot about Assassin's Creed that takes its cues from The Witcher, and just the, the way the side quests are handled, even um, some things about your character's um, behavior and the the comments that he makes to himself, and the characterization of other people that might be marginal in it uh, in another open world game, um, I think uh, it owes a, a great tip of the hat to uh, to the team at CD Projekt Red. So um, love that game. Like I said, any other year it might be number one, which honestly is the case for everything above this too. <laughs> uh, this was just a tremendous game or year for games. So uh, number three. Uh, is a game that is awful, it's terrible, it's the worst game I've ever played. (laughs) It's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, Everyone knows that I had my criticisms about this game, but it's telling that even with the criticisms I had, I still think it was the third best game of the year. Um, It does things that no open world game have ever done before. Um, Traversal, it, it has my favorite traversal system of any open world game I've ever played um i just um you if if the story had been better it probably would have been at the top of my list and if it didn't have destructible uh or weapon (laughs) Um, part of the game uh, get good noob (laughs) but from a but from a gameplay standpoint from a traversal standpoint i uh i loved my time in that game and i'm anxiously anticipating um, a new a new entry in that series now that the uh, I think it was the director of the series has said that he wants to maintain the open world aspects uh, for games moving forward, which I think is a great idea um, so i'm uh, i 'm on board for the i 'm on board for the majora 's mask to uh, breath of the wild's ocarina of time <laughs>
1: um,
0: number two is Mario odyssey um, It's my favorite mainline Mario game in a long time. It does absolutely everything that I want out of a 3D Mario game. It's got a ton of stuff to find. Um, I I feel like I'm never going to collect all the moons, ever. Uh, But that's okay, because it's fun to try. It... Of course, because it's a Mario game, um, has absolutely spot on controls and platforming and level design. Um it uh there's I mean there's not a whole lot I can say without it feeling like I'm slipping into hyperbole. Uh but it is basically an almost perfect three D platformer. I mean the only three D platformer I can think that's probably better is Bubsy three D. No, uh,
2: no, you know, no no game can ever match Bubsy three D okay. <laughs> right. Man, come on, let's not get crazy.
0: But, um, it has, again, I think some of the best, um, some of the, it probably rivals Mario Galaxy, in my opinion, as far as 3D level design, uh, for a Mario game. And my, my wish list item would be for them to completely, um, as a side DLC, a side DLC that, by the way, I would pay probably 30 or 40 bucks for, uh, would be to completely remake Mario 64, uh, in that engine. Uh, because it, it it touches the same uh, notes for me. And uh, I cannot wait to continue my climb towards 999 moons, or how many there are. Um, and then number one is Horizon Zero Dawn. This was a game that already was my game of the year uh, before the recent DLC came out, and that DLC just put it over the top for me. Um, the The world-building... The character building, um, the facial animations, which, by the way, go a huge way towards adding character to the people that you interact with in that game. Um, And Aloy is probably my favorite new character uh, over the last several years. I just feel like they did a tremendous job of building her character and dropping her in a world that was super crazy but believable at the same time. And for them to take a a story about primitive people fighting robot dinosaurs... Uh, and make it completely believable and cohesive uh, is a a testament to the talent that they have at Gorilla. So um, I have talked a lot about Horizon this year and a lot recently because of the Frozen Wilds, um, but that game is um, one of the best experiences that I've had this generation, and I am so down for the, uh, the sequel to that game, even though I know it's a ways off. From, from the it, guys we, that make Killzone, who would have thought, right? Uh, it, that, yeah, I think I think that's the other thing that um is just tremendously impressive to me is you know, you you watch and I, I hate to keep going back to these guys, but you watch like C D Project Red and they make the original Witcher, right? And it's it's a big RPG, and it's got a lot of stuff to it, and then they build on that a bit with The Witcher 2, and they start to perfect the, some of their storytelling, and then you get Witcher 3, which is the best of those two things combined. But it's a logical, natural build on the talents that they have already built on the previous two games that they worked on in that series. This game came out of nowhere yep. uh, from the guys that made Killzone. And, you know... Killzone is one of those series that just tends to be average to just above average, in my opinion. And for these guys to go to have gone from that, uh, you know, average to above average first-person shooters to this game, is such a dramatic leap in quality. Uh, it, it makes me wonder if there's like a genie in a bottle somewhere. <laughs> at, uh, we had a deal with uh, the devil man. at Sony, yeah, that, uh, that caused the, this leap. Now, that being said, they have always been um, at or near the top in terms of visual fidelity. But um, if this game is just at a whole other level. And for them to be able to maintain the visual fidelity that they did on in such a uh, dynamic open world is, is tremendous. So that is my list. Um, there are a lot of other games I played this year that I would classify as... Uh, decent to good, uh, but man, this was just such an amazing year. Uh, I'm surprised for- I didn't
2: see a uh, Fire Pro Wrestling on your list at all. Right. So
0: you know, I, I thought about, um, I thought about putting it on there, mm-hmm. and I th- the only the only reason it didn't make its way onto my list is be- is it be- it came out of early access so late in the year.
2: Mm.
0: Um that even though, yes, it's technically a 2017 game, um, I, I feel similar to that as the way I feel about Slime Rancher that was on my list this year. I think, um, you know, it's out of early access now, just as of, I don't know, a little less than a month ago. Uh, and it's poised to get releases on other platforms next year. Uh-huh. Uh, but, it you know, it um, it definitely if it didn't have the 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 stigma of early access in my head um it would definitely have been on my list this year i've just i don't know if i'm comfortable um, putting early access games on my game of the year list if that makes sense yeah that uh, makes perfect sense but um now that it is and it's again it it came out of early access so late in the year it just felt strange for me to put it on my list if if it had been um uh, the full release, when I got it in early access this year, it absolutely would have been on my list. That game is fantastic. And just this last week, they announced that in time for the PlayStation 4 release next year, um, they are doing an official partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which will incorporate... Uh, real wrestlers, real rings, real entrance music, um, a storyline related to uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling in the PlayStation 4 version next year. Um, To me, that difference is so substantial that the PlayStation 4 version might as well be a brand new game next year.
2: Nice. Something to look
0: forward to. Yeah, absolutely.
3: So that's it.
1: All right. Well, that is the Wombats Top 10. Do do you have any uh, thoughts
3: on your most anticipated games for 2018?
0: Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean I, I'm really um I'm really looking forward to God of War. Ooh, I man. think that has a, the potential to be um, um really really good. My my problem with anticipated games for next year is um I, I never know quite what's actually going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> uh next year so
2: so you're saying Shenmue 3 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake are the top of your list right they're the 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 top games you're looking forward to absolutely they're at the top
0: of uh they're at the top of my list no but I I think you know just just in terms of what we know is coming out next year uh the most anticipated game for me comes out in a couple weeks uh and that's (laughs) Monster Hunter World so um you know I'm I'm looking am I looking forward to Far Cry 5 yeah I'm looking forward to it I'm Really looking forward to Red Dead Redemption too. Um, you know, if if Monster Hunter wasn't so close, Red Dead would probably be my most anticipated game for the next year. I'm really into what I've seen from Anthem, even though uh, it we we haven't gotten a whole lot. I do think it it'll um, uh, or by loot boxes. Kinda, yep. What's that? Powered by loot boxes. I know. See, yeah. see, that's that's the that's the thing that keeps it from being closer to the top of my list, just because I. Um, uh based on what I can see it looks like it's right up my alley but I, I just don't know enough about it yet to say absolutely it's at the top of my list. And then honestly I think uh Spider-Man's going to be tremendous. Yeah. Mm. I'm uh I'm really I'm really looking forward to uh to Spider-Man next year. But the the top 2 on my list would be Red Dead Redemption 2 and um Monster Hunter World. Nice.
1: Kratos can't jump.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a weird thing to me.
0: Yeah. I have a feeling some people are gonna say uh Kingdom Hearts three, but I don't think that's even gonna
1: come out. So <laughs> <Nah. laughs> Alright. Well Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well enjoy your time. Thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna right. uh
0: nobody's nobody's here yet, so I'm gonna stick around and listen for a minute. But uh if you guys see me just ninja out of here, you'll know that I had to go. <laughs> well there you go. <laughs> Alright,
1: yeah. right, well let's move on to Mr. Mac Quinn.
3: Yeah, I, it, it's definitely been an interesting year for games. I mean, I, the theme for me is just the absolute number of quality games that came out this year. Uh, and un- Unfortunately, that means that the list of games that I didn't get to play is longer than my top ten list.
1: <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and you could probably interchange that list with my top ten list, and it would be equally as valid for a game of the year consideration list. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to read through the ones I didn't play, but the vast majority, if you if you think there are games missing on my list, I probably didn't get to play it. And that's why it's not there. Uh, and I didn't have an honorable mentions category, but I did have a, these are the games I didn't play enough. I didn't feel justified putting them on my list because I hadn't played quite enough of them. So I guess these are the only ones that I did play that... He didn't quite make the list, but not necessarily due to their quality, really, just due to the number of hours I put into them. Uh, and that's really Tekken Seven, Near, Automata, and Wolfenstein. All
1: three good uh, games. I, yeah,
3: I did. I did not get to power through Wolfenstein. Although you know, had I been here last week, maybe I would have, because I I was trying to get enough hours into that game to to figure out how I felt about it. And I just I I only got about three hours into it, and I I, I just I don't feel comfortable.
0: Putting it out anywhere on the list.
1: Yeah, you 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 haven't seen the batshit of that game yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it gets real. It gets real crazy. Yeah,
3: I mean, so far a couple hours in, it's really just, you know, it's the, it's the characters I like from the first game. It's polished, but it's a lot of semi bland corridor
0: shooting. And well, the, that... the corridor shooting doesn't go away. No, that, that's pretty <laughs> much <laughs> through the
1: the whole game. But it's the story. But the blandness
0: certainly. <laughs> Certainly doesn't stick around. Yeah, and I, I don't want to base my assumption just on the
3: corridor shooting. There's, if, if there's more to it, I, I want to see it. Sure. Um. But but my top ten list because I missed so many games is a little bit odd. I feel like the games at the top are nearly on like they're all nines or tens in my opinion. And there's a lot of games that I played this year that I had some conflicted feelings about, but I still really liked them. And that's most of the bottom of my list. So my number ten is Danganronpa V three. Nice. I did enjoy the game. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the other games, and I hated the ending. But <laughs> it it's not so much. I guess hatred's not the right word. It's not hatred. It's not so much that I'm angry. It's more like that. You know the interaction with your parents, the shaking their head. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Mm. And I, I just, I wanted that. I wanted so much more out of that game that I just felt disappointed by it, specifically the ending, but more throughout that. But, but that being said, I had a good time with it. You know, it's a long, fun game. There's good characters, and there's a lot to like there. Uh, similar with my game number nine, which is Mass Effect. I, when I started to put this list together, I thought Mass Effect and Dramada was not going to be anywhere near my top ten. Um. But that, that was really based on the game came out, I was real excited for it, I played the first four or five hours, it just felt so much disappointment, I said, this game's garbage, and I hate it. But, you know, after a number of patches came out, I don't know how much different the game is, maybe it was just that my expectations reset a little bit, I went back to it over the last few months, and the, the core of the game is still pretty good still Mass Effect. I still like all the races. Characters, I, I guess, are okay. But I, I did get a good sense of exploration, and I liked exploring new planets. And so, again, I, there was just enough there for me to say I, I enjoyed it, and I want to see the ending to it. Uh, but But that kind of overrode sort of the original disappointment that I felt for it. Yeah, so in the I, end, I was okay with it.
1: I like that game more than most people. I, I enjoyed playing, you know, those different planets. And, and, yeah, that game has a lot of problems. But I could get past them just to explore a new Mass Effect world.
3: Yep. Yeah, and that's what I wanted. I got more Mass Effect out of it. And, you know, that's that's what I was looking for. And it's funny, though, because so many of the things that were negative about it I it don't really bother me. Like the facial animations, the eyes, you know. Clipping, you know, technical issues. Mass Effect has always had those. Especially the first one. Yeah. Um, and so that that stuff I could get over more easily. The thing the, the part where I felt a little bit betrayed originally was this this is so much more explorative than the first trilogy. And I just felt like, oh, we we get to we get to see first contact in a major sci fi franchise. This should be, you know, could be one of the best Experiences, best moments of any sci-fi franchise around, and the way they just handled first contact—you just plunk down on a planet and immediately you're in a firefight. Yeah, that—that that was the kind of thing that hurt me more because I'm like, you—you you had such a great opportunity here, and it—it it was just wasted.
1: And those guys looked kind of lame.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but again, that's the kind of thing that you know my first couple hours with the game really bothered me. But when I went back through and kind of just played it as, I'm just going to play more Mass Effect. You know, and and I really got over it and I really liked the exploration more than the the parts that I thought didn't hold up. Yep. Uh, My number eight game is the one that Jay referenced earlier, which is Chaos Child. Nice. Uh, And this basically comes out of my search to find a follow-up to Steins Gate. <laughs> uh, I, I adore that game, and I've been looking for more anywhere I could find it. You know, I, I recently watched the Steins Gate movie that wraps up the original storyline. That's good. Didn't satisfy me. I went on a search, and I played through a couple of visual novels on the, on the Vita that were okay to good, but Chaos Child is, is a bit of a weird situation because it's game two in a series where game one was never localized. So I, I guess I went into it thinking, all right, this is obviously not going to be as good, and I'm missing the whole first game, so I probably won't like it all that much. But on the other hand, it's set in the same universe as Steins Gate, so right there, you're automatically have me titillated. And it, for for me, it, it does hit a lot of the same notes as Steinsgate. I don't think it's quite as good as Steinsgate, and it's definitely slower to the point of potentially being too slow mm. but it, it has a similar feel, a similar art style, a similar a similar feel in like the, what drew me to Steinsgate is really that group of kids, I guess, kids to young adults. Getting in over their head. And, you know, there's a conspiracy and there's things happening and they need to solve a mystery. And all of that's kind of here as well. Okay. And so it it is really good. It's about probably three times as long as Steins Gate, which <laughs> is Ste- Steins Gate was not a short game, Matt. Are you sure? Not well, to no, no. no. Here, here's the thing. And okay. one thing that I actually really like that Chaos Child does. With Steins Gate, you have to play it very specifically to get the entire story on your first playthrough. Yes. Because my first playthrough only lasted about seven or eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, Chaos Child does kind of an interesting thing. The first time you play it, no matter what choices you make, you get the full story. Oh, You can't explore side paths until your second playthrough. And then you get you can basically, in a number of situations, you can pick positive or negative influences. And those will start to alter the story based on what you pick. But no matter what you pick on your first playthrough, you can still pick them. They just don't have any bearing. And I actually... that That's something I really like, is I get to see the full story yeah. on playthrough yeah. one. Okay. And I, yeah, I like that, that, flipping that around so that that's your first play. And so, you know, kind of that coupled with it being, you know, it being in the same universe as Steins Gate, there's a lot of... Not a lot of overlap. I'd say that there's actually not very much overlap. But within this science adventure series, you've got characters... You know, you may not see the characters from the other game, but they... There'll be references to them having, like, sent somebody to see you. And so they, they do exist kind of in the same continuum, which I like. Yeah. Uh, my seven game is What Remains of Edith Finch. Nice. I've played a, a lot of these games over the last year or two. Uh, I think this is one of the better ones. It – again, it, it's in, – in, in other – there are things I wanted in it that I didn't get – I, which I guess the main thing being more length, more detail. It's a it's a really short game. As far as these games go, I think it's one of the shortest. It's only just barely two hours, I think. Uh but the those stories in there are, are really, really good. The characterization is is amazing. And the the one sequence towards the end, which I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a guy who works in a fish cannery.
1: Oh my god, that oh. was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that
3: was one of the single best like stories I, I think I've ever played. The way it merges the gameplay with the story, and and the way that that embodies or exemplifies like his psychological state was just just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, while and, while having the facsimile of the monotony of the activity that he had to do all this time, and yeah, it's brilliant,
3: really. Yeah, and that I mean, so that that's towards the end of the game and that comes full circle because the like the very first storyline you play really caught me off guard.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
3: And that was weird. I wasn't sure what to make of it at first. I'm like I I don't know what's happening. But that's because I didn't really realize you were playing kind of the you know, the, the stories of these people, people's lives, not necessarily their actual lives. And just that kind of balance of abstracting their lives just a little bit and th- with the quality with which it's handled, I, I was just—I was floored the entire two hours. I, I—I I was just zoned in. It was just amazing.
1: Now they do some really interesting stuff in that game that I did not expect, and it made me want to go back and play it again, knowing what is going on for some mm-hmm. of the earlier stuff.
3: Yeah,
2: that's one of the reasons why people, when people were making fun of that game, talking about it as a walking simulator, I got mad. Because they're speaking completely from a place of ignorance because that game is not a walking simulator. Everything that every story that you experience is a different gameplay segment and that is so far removed from games like Dear Esther or um, what is it Gone home and games like that. And those games have their own um, you know stories tell and they're good in their own right. But at the same time, I think what um, Edith Finch does, is better than all the other ones, because it kind of brings you into this fantastic world. There's this this, this tragedy-filled family and their history, and the people that, that they lived in this house, and it really tells a really powerful and beautiful story. And I think uh, it's one of the best of its kind that I've ever played. Yep.
3: I generally lumped it in with the walking simulators. This and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture are my two favorites from the last few years. Uh okay so my number six game I, I f- hesitated I, I almost didn't put this on the list because I hadn't played enough of it and it's Persona five
2: <laughs> that's a that's a difficult game to play enough of to get yeah out. yeah so it's like a hundred hour game so if you play a decent amount uh, if you put like 20 hours into that game you still haven't played enough so I can kind of understand just putting it on there without having finished it that's okay.
3: Yeah, that that was kind of where I felt is, you know, I kind of know the structure. Unless it does something radically different than 3 and 4 did, I kind of know what I'm getting into. Uh, So I was a little hesitant to put it on here, but that's just a really, really smooth, really polished, really stylish game. That's as fun as the other, the last two entries in the series at least. Uh, I I don't know if I quite like it as much as 4, but that's because the murder mystery hook of 4 really got into me. It's actually what, what I liked about Chaos Child as well. It starts off with a series of bizarre murders and you're mm-hmm. trying to solve them. And so so that that's the one thing that I might give to Persona 4 that I didn't necessarily feel was as good in Persona 5. But everything else is as good or better. And uh, it's just, just a great game. Uh, my number 5 game was Hellblade. Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, And, you know, as I was trying to figure out, like, if there was a theme to my games this year, for me, it it was maybe this thread between the visual novels and Hellblade and What Remains of Edith Finch, and it's really just these narratives are just so good, and the characterizations. Like, for me, Hellblade, the story itself was good, it was fine. Uh, Being a not-quite-triple-A game, it wasn't quite as long or as deep as... It would have been, had it maybe been a full game. But what was there, I think, was absolutely great. And the extra level of depth of getting inside Senua's head is what really elevated that game. I felt I felt like I was on that journey with her more than I have maybe with any other character, any other lead character. Did you, did of you
2: game. play with a, with a headset or earplugs?
3: Yes, I played Good. it with a headset. Good. That's the only I, way to play it. Yeah. It's really. That's actually why I bought it on the PC, was because that's where kind of my, my headset is set up. And I wanted to play that game because of everything I'd heard with the headset. and it, it was just great. I I really liked that internal conflict, that internal chaos of Senua. And then essentially everything above this game, my top four, I feel like are all... I, I don't want to say perfect, but they're all top-notch games. And could have easily been rearranged depending on, I don't know, my mood. (laughs) So my game four was Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, I agree with everything that everybody said. This game is, I would say, if I had to boil it down to the simplest thing, I would say this game is, there's nothing wrong with this game. There are no flaws that this game has. The only reason I didn't rate it higher than four was because I felt like maybe it was a little bit vanilla. It was a little bit simplistic, a little too easy, you know. I, I played this game a little bit every night. Uh, I played through it in about a week. I am really excited, maybe more than any other game on this list, to go back into it and start trying to find those extra moons that I didn't get because uh, I only played through the the main story and then maybe another hour just poking around in that last kingdom. Uh, excellent game. I don't know that anything else needs to be said by me about it.
1: <laughs> it's Mario.
3: Yeah, it, it was great. As far as a Mario game, it's the best I've played in a long time. Although, to be honest, I've never really owned a Nintendo console when it was current or relevant. So every other Mario game i played has basically been well behind its release state. Other than, I guess, Mario 64, because I played that a lot right when it came out. But everything since, I haven't really owned, you know, I picked up a GameCube really late, a Wii really late, I don't have a Wii U. So, it it, it was really nice to be able to play this when it was still fresh, and still impressive due to its, you know, I'm I'm playing this mostly on the Switch as a handheld, and uh, it's pretty impressive if you look at it, It as I was looking at it as a handheld game, playing it in bed, I'm like, wow, this this is legit.
1: Give it another 12 months and you will never need to buy a Wii U. Like, Nintendo's porting almost all of the great Wii U games to the Switch.
0: Basically, yeah. That's true, they are. They're all new to
3: you because so many more people will have bought the Switch by that point.
1: Exactly. And I I think, what's left from the Wii U that hasn't been ported? Like, new Super Mario Brothers U... Uh, Smash. Smash, which I think is probably coming really soon, and...
0: I think, honestly, the biggest one that, and I, I know why they haven't, because they have a brand new game in the series come out next year, is Yoshi's Woolly World, yeah. um, which is a tremendous game that more people should have a chance to play, but mm. um, the, uh, they've got a new Yoshi game coming out next year, so it'll probably hold off.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, the the only other one that I want, and it's more of a greedy want, is the Wind Waker remaster. I want that on Switch. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I picked up the Switch kind of late, so I I didn't get it until a little bit after uh, Black Friday this year, so about a week into November. So I only picked up two games for the Switch, so number four was Mario, number three is Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, I was a little bit conflicted with this game because, like, I guess I've played a number of Mario games, but I haven't really played that many Zelda games. I've played the first few hours of a bunch of Zelda games a bunch of times, but not really, like, delved into them.
2: So you so... never finished, like, a single Zelda game ever?
3: No.
1: Not <gasps> even close. <sighs> not even close. Well, I, I, I mean... Got, I, I gotta call Drew. You guys gotta do Phoenix Town. Like, to app. be fair, I, <laughs>
3: I've never finished a Final Fantasy game either, and I've put hundreds of hours into Final Fantasy.
1: Hey, I've, you guys are doing
2: the JRPG for Phoenix Down, so that's gotta be remedied.
3: Yeah. You I've do. only put dozens of hours into Zelda's
1: well you guys are doing 12 right you're doing FF12 is that what Drew said
2: yeah 12 the yeah. plan I don't even like
1: that game but sure I guess that's, Go for it. that's kind of like uh oh, man that's your first finished Final Fantasy alright
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've probably put over 100 hours total just into 7 and oh, still never finished it because I've started that so many times
1: <sighs> 7 Whew. that's a good game
3: but so so it's a little different for me from Zelda because I just I haven't played that much Zelda. This one is really fun. The story is is the only letdown for me is in that I don't feel like there is much of one, but the exploration the open world exploration is really fun. Uh, I, I kind of like all the short ten minute dungeons uh, but uh, like Mario. It's a fantastic game. It's just really, really polished. And, you know, it's a hell of a way for the Switch to start. Even with just these two. And that, this is all I've picked up. Uh, I would also love to pick up Mario Kart because I missed that Mario Kart 8. That's a good one. And uh, Mario and the Rabbids. That, that one I really wanted to play. Um, but so far, two for two. I mean, I, I've only had the Switch, you know, a month and a half, two months. Played these two games, and they're both fantastic.
1: Switch has had a hell of a good first year, and it's not even over yet.
2: Yeah, I would say it's one of the best launch years of any console. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd yeah. agree with that. I mean, there's been a little something for everybody. Big AAA, Nintendo games, mm-hmm. Nintendo, uh, you know, the indie games. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there.
2: Fucking 200-hour JRPG, yeah, it's in there.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the only thing yeah. that's missing is a solid racing game outside of Mario Kart.
3: True. my number two is uh, Resident Evil 7 oh yeah baby I was not sure how I would feel about this before it came out you know it didn't quote unquote feel like a Resident Evil game but when I started playing it I, it felt much more like a Resident Evil game than I thought it would going into it and this game is just fucking terrifying <laughs> you didn't I've play never the been VR just... did you Matt? No, uh, it's, so this is the thing. I held off playing it for so long mm-hmm. because I was waiting for VR. I had plans to buy VR, an Xbox One X, and a Switch sometime this year. It just never happened. The only one I picked up was a Switch. Uh, I'm still curious. I, I'd still love to get a Xbox One X and VR, but, uh, so, but that's why I held off on playing Resident Evil 7 because I was waiting for VR. I eventually decided I just wasn't going to do it this year, and I really wanted to play it, so I just went ahead and dove into it. But, man, that game is scary. Both... Both... I don't know, the, just the atmosphere of the game, but sort of the unkillable enemies, the the sense of feeling trapped and absolutely overwhelmed by anybody you see in that game. I just... There were points where I was like, I, I don't know if I can play this, because I just physically don't want to open any more doors or walk down any more hallways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then... That very strong emotional reaction to the game, coupled with the fa- the fact that I'm still exploring a mansion, and then, you know, you do some inventory management, making it feel a bit more like what I was expecting with Resident Evil, it, it, it surprised me. I wasn't really, ex- I don't know why, but I wasn't really expecting to like it as much as I did. Uh, and then my number one game is Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, like <laughs> nice like that's, while right. I, that's the right one. <laughs> this game just floored me. I mean to the point where I would say this game changed the way I feel about open world games because for a long time, I've said,' look, I just don't like them. they're 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 just collectathons. I don't want to deal with that. I get too sidetracked and the story almost always suffers from it. I don't think it's worth it to spend my time exploring. But I mean, I, I, I just totally pulled a one eighty on that playing Horizon. I just I was I loved it. I loved the combat. I loved the enemies. I loved the world. I loved exploring. It, it was super polished. Uh, I guess the only the only place I differ from Wombat there a little bit is I would say I totally did expect this from Gorilla because oh. I I actually loved Killzone. I mean, Killzone Two was one of my favorite games of last generation. Killzone Three was one of the best online multiplayer experiences I've ever had. To me, they've always had that level of polish that I that you see in Horizon Dawn. What they never had was open world and characterization. And so that... Those are surprises to me, but for me, the, the quality and the, the technical capabilities were always there. It was just kind of hamstrung into a game that wasn't as open and, and expansive as this. And so the story, I think, is much better in Horizon, and the the, the world, I guess, is better, but I, I the level of quality is what I was expecting. Uh, I just didn't think the whole thing would come together as well as it did. Nice. And you well, always uh, had yeah. that
2: belief in Guerrilla Studios. That's good to hear.
3: Yeah, I, I I never thought they got their due, but but mainly that's you know probably tied to those experiences with Killzone. Like for three, it wasn't even necessarily that the game three was one of my favorite games ever it was just that was the first time i really had a good clan experience and really you know got to play on a team where we would watch each other's backs i mean real simple things i just i just haven't had that in, in very many shooters very many online shooters and horizon was great uh my only negative right now is that i didn't haven't had a chance to play the expansion yet uh so i'm looking forward to in the next month or two at some point diving back into that world and also getting that power army because that's the one thing i never did.
2: Oh yeah, that thing is overpowered, man. It's <laughs> so good.
3: <laughs> yeah. But i uh, yeah, i love that game. It was just a a great game and a year full of great games.
2: Very nice. Back-to-back wins for Horizon. Good, good for you, gorilla games, man. Well deserved.
1: All right. So you want to go
2: next, Jay? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um for me, you know, <clears throat> Last year, I had way too many honorable mentions and stuff like that, so I tried to cut it down. I, What I did with my Game of the Year this year is that I kept going back to it. I didn't do it in one sitting. I thought about it. I went back to it. I fiddled around with it. I thought about it. I went back to it. And then I did this like 10, like 12 times <laughs> to the point where I finally had my list. And then <clears throat> I finally added one more game to the, the Game of the Year not, which is basically honorable mentions uh, because it's the last thing that I played. And um, this, if you follow, I guess, on me on Twitter, it probably wouldn't surprise you, but uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, Jesus. On my on my first, I, I know, Ken, <laughs> oh, I Jesus. know. I saw the title of that game, and I was like, this is going to be one of those trashy, cutesy anime garbage. That's like plaguing, you know, steam and stuff like that. But the thing about it is that this game has been plastered in my timeline. People are talking about it. There's so many memes based on this game. I just had to find out, and when I finally learned that the game was only like 3-4 hours long, I was like, you know what, I can squeeze one more game in, and I did, and I'm very glad that I did, because it's one of the most disturbing games I've ever played. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, when when you hear Doki Doki Literature Club, and you see the screenshots in the game with these cute anime girls and visual novels, and you you join a, a you know a, you know like a book club with them, you don't expect it to be some 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 something that's going to be nightmare fuel. But no, that's that's basically what this game is. I knew some of that element was there before going in, unfortunately, because of how people were talking about it and how the memes were getting made uh, surrounding it. But I will say that after finishing that game, I took a shot of Nyquil to go to sleep, because uh, I'm trying to, you know, combat this cold that I've had for about a week and a half now, and I had some of the most terrifying nightmares <sighs> based on that game, <laughs> ah. and it's just it was pretty horrifying. I, I gotta tell you, like I can't even go into details. Based on how maybe we'll talk about it in fucking Halloween or something like that, but it was it was it was pretty wicked stuff. I, I have yeah. a, I've
1: always dreamed of having a Doki Doki game talked about during Halloween. Let me tell you. Hey Ken, <laughs> you doubt me now, buddy? But <laughs> so you play the game, and oh, then you tell me how you never. Feel about it, Ken? I will never play this game. But
2: the game is free for everybody. You don't have to pay a cent to play this game. I have to pay and... my time. No, 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 no. <laughs> just see. Not just be ignorant, okay? You're just be ignorant. Be ignorant. It's <laughs> <just> ignorant, ignorant. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was turned off by the title and also the uh, the the art style because eh, it's, there's too much of that stuff, really. It's, there's an no over But I will tell you straight up, it's it's, a, it's it's a freaking disturbing game. It has some really clever ideas on how to break the fourth wall. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very impressed with the with this uh, developer, indeve- uh, independent developer. I think it was made by like one or two people, so it's um, pretty good. And going to the next game on my nods is uh, Night in the Woods. I, I keep
1: hearing about this game, and I kind of want to play it.
2: You should, Ken. I think you would enjoy this one. And the thing about this game is that this game was probably the most realistic and most. Like, down-to-earth game that I played this year. And let me... What I mean by that is to say... It's just relatable. Like, wh- if you've ever been, you know, in a situation where... You don't know what you're doing with your life. And uh, I think everyone's been there at some point. You know, if you're not there right now. You know what I mean? You're unsure about what you want to do with your life. And you kind of fail at what you originally tried. So you, you come back. So basically, it's a story about these anthropomorphic, like, animals. You're playing this, uh, like, cat... And then, you know, she kind of has this, uh, you know, issue at college and she comes back home and she kind of feels like a failure. And then she's trying to reconnect with her old friends and trying to deal with her family life and trying to keep things upbeat and not really be depressed about things. But the way it deals with these complex issues about, about failing, about not knowing what to do with your life and how you deal with your relationships, not just with your friends, but also your parents and what that implies, it's done really, really well. In a way that I think uh, touched a lot of people, including myself. And uh, in that way, it's, uh, it's a terrific game. The art style, the music as well is, is great. And uh, this is just Greg rules, okay? Greg rules.
1: Greg rules. Uh, All
2: right. Greg, Greg rules. Yeah, Greg is such a great character. But you should, you should play the game. If you're even a little bit curious about the game, I highly recommend it. Uh, the next game on the list is getting a little bit darker, getting a little bit more serious. The Evil Within 2. I think uh, really surprised me this year. I think um, Evil Within One, I like a lot more than a lot, You know, some people that think it's a really bad game for some reason. I, I never understood that. I thought Evil Within One was a was a good game. Um, you know, almost close to a great game. But it had some pacing issues. It had some issues with some of the the combat segments. Um, but overall, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But Evil Within Two just basically took everything that was good with the first game and just polished it and polished it and polished it and brought uh, the pacing down to an almost perfect level where I was never bored with what I had to do and I just had this really good flow about the game it was a much more personal experience about the character uh, you know, exploration of uh, Sebastian and his family a uh, kind of putting uh, the finishing touch on his story I think if there is an Evil Within 3 and I, I'm pretty sure that there is it's not going to start Sebastian it's going to start someone new uh, and that's an interesting prospect on the own. Uh, very uh, enjoyable. Um, what,
3: it's, what, that's what that's one. That's I picked up this year and really wanted to play, but again, just ran out of time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think if you even liked the the first one a little bit, or even if you didn't like it, give the second game a chance. I think uh, it's a it's a, it's a terrific terrific follow up to a game that really didn't quite reach its potential. Hmm. The, another game uh, on the list is uh, Divinity: Original Sin Two. And that's a game I think um, Sophie, our, you know, our very own Sophie, got me interested in playing it because of the high praises that she was saying. And once I read, the, uh, read her review, I knew I had to definitely check it out. And this is one of those games where you play and you think to yourself, wow, I didn't know they still made games like this. The, the depth, the complexity... Of the events, uh, the triggers, of the things that, that happen around the world. Just going into the game. Um, you're Just straight up opening the, up the game. And then choosing a character that like introduces themselves and their backstory. About the kind of plight that they're in and what they want to accomplish. You just, just going into that and then having all these characters with their own motivations thrown in. So... Basically, you can have a very different experience each playthrough, depending on the characters that you have in your team. Because if you have this guy that's like a fallen prince of the lizard clan, I'll call the Red Prince. He has assassins sent to him regularly that you would never encounter if you don't have this person in your party uh, during your playthrough. And given that you only have four people uh, in, your, in your party at once, you can miss so much, so much content. And you do. And I think you have to be really brave in order to make a game where a player could complete the game, a full playthrough of the game, taking like 40, 50 hours, and then miss more than half of the game's content because of the choices that they made, because of the people that they they decide to bring along for their journey. And I think that's tremendous. I think uh, games like um, Dragon Age used to be those kind of games, but now they are no longer. Games like Mass Effect used to be these kind of games as well, but they are no longer, you know, trying to streamline everything, trying to make sure that they put as little content that people can possibly miss to try to maximize the amount of uh, money that they can make from the amount of money that they have to spend in development. And uh, just the fact that this game came out of early develop, uh, early access, uh, not early,
1: wait, early,
2: early access? I don't, well, I don't no, think no, no, it no. was
1: an early access, it was a
2: Kickstarter. No, I, yeah, Kickstarter, thank you, Ken. Uh, it was a Kickstarter game, and then they put together the money and resources after the you know successful you know launching of Divinity Original Sin One. And the fact that the entire game is voice acted—Are you kidding me? Do you know how much voice acting there is in this game? It's insane. Even the narration is voice acted, and it adds tremendous, like, uh, just just polish and value to the game when you don't have to just read because it's just it's a lot of these a lot of reading for these games. Uh, the next game on my list, and people are probably going to give me shit that is not on my top 10 is the Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I think it's the the one only one word that I would have to use to sum up this game is that it's it's delightful. It's just a delightful game to play. There's there's nothing more I can add to that. But the thing about me is that I don't like platformer games as much as I used to. They fallen out of favor for me. But this is a game that I still play through all the way. I still, you know, I, I got over 500 stars. I did all the content that's that I feel like I, you know, definitely wanted to do, and that then you know, that's saying a lot for for a genre that I'm no longer kind of in love with. Uh, another game on the list is *East 8: Lacrimosa of Dana*. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite the flaws with the localization, uh, that's basically kind of what I expected from Nisa, really. But I do appreciate the fact that they're going back and they're doing a lot of re-recordings and rebalancing of this and that, retranslation. I think um, they understood what it means to have like a Falcon game. On their list and their usual kind of half-assed job wasn't really gonna do it so that's nice to see but the game quality itself i personally think it's is the best east game so far the the quality of content um just just the combat the visuals uh the overarching storyline how it actually surprised me in a lot of ways which is not something that east games are known for they're they are fun to play you know they're very visceral in combat and just very skill-based and fighting giant monsters to kick ass soundtracks that's what those games have always been about but on top of that to add a compelling narrative and you know, with a cast of some interesting characters that's just that's just isn't just kind of like icing on the cake so so to speak uh, yakuza zero i think uh, ken you might mention this game later as well and um is Personally, I think it's the best Yakuza game that I've played so far, just in general. Like, uh, if you combine all the aspects of the story, the combat, the just just a staggering amount of content and side activities that are fun to do and meaningful, uh, that add more to the universe and add more to the character development of uh, Kiryu and Majima, uh, tremendous. And I, I love the fact that this game kind of has become the game. To introduce people to the world of the yakuza. Now, anyone that ever asked me, like, "Oh, I'm interested in yakuza. Which game should I start with?" No hesitation. Yakuza Zero. You start yep. there. It's the beginning I- of the story. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Uh,
3: just that's exactly where I am.
2: Yes, excellent. I love hearing that because with Yakuza Six coming along uh, at the, you know uh, later this year, being the end of Kiryu's story, I think just trying to jump right into the story at this point is is the perfect plan. And boy, Yakuza Zero is that's a phenomenal game. Another game that kind of took me by surprise is Tales of Berseria, and that's a game where uh, I didn't expect it to take such a one, you know, take such a one eighty because Tales of Berseria was a big disappointment. It wasn't a terrible game. It wasn't. It wasn't some game that I'm gonna put like you know in in a list of like worst RPGs or anything like that. But it was a disappointment because of the pedigree. Uh, that the name of Tails brings to, uh, to the floor. Because Tails games have been, you know, s- some of my favorite RPGs in the past. And I've been following the series during its long, long, long duration. playing, Having played more than seven, eight games in the series so far, you know, there's, lots, there's a lot of different games to play through. And Tales of Berseria was everything that this series was not it had the, the cast of characters that were really terrific, just the chemistry between the characters is, is phenomenal, the skits that played the, play out, making me laugh, getting re- me really invested in the story, the combat engine was much improved, taking out a lot of the, the really unnecessary complexity that did nothing but confuse you what, without adding much depth to the combat, just making it more streamlined and making it more enjoyable and timing-based so, um, yeah, like, if you were kind of disillusioned with what Tails had to offer from the Syria Give Berseria a chance. I think it's uh, it's pretty terrific. Gravity Rush 2, I think, is a game that uh, got a lot of snubs this year because it's a game that came out in January. It's, I think it's the first game of this year that I reviewed. First or second, I'm not sure. But it's one of the earlier ones. And, uh, boy, this game was a treat. Like, not even just visually because... The, I mean, the, the game is gorgeous, first of all. It's playing on the PS4 Pro, uh, having that really stable frame rate no matter what is happening... But the joy of controlling a cat, just having her like falling, and then just like seeing her like just go go through like thousand feet plunge, uh, you know, the kicking enemies in the face, is the storyline that uh, kind of talks about cat's past, along with ravens and everything. The things that I really wanted in the original Gravity Rush games that I didn't get. Added gameplay elements with multiple different forms that you can switch on the fly that added some uh much needed depth and complexity. Um and some a little bit more skill based combat as well. Um just just really great. Like uh if Gravity Rush one was good, this one is just leagues and leagues beyond. And I'm curious if they're gonna make another one based on the way that the the storyline ends, but I surely hope that they do because such a unique experience and such a great world to explore. And, uh, yeah, now getting to the nitty gritty, top ten. I didn't, I don't number my top ten until the top three because that's too difficult for me. It's like, it's, it's, it's way too much effort. I'm not going to do that. So, up till the top three, they're just all games, amazing games. They're, they're in there somewhere, okay? Let's just deal with it. Um, starting off with a game that I finished not too long ago, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And, uh, this is the game that I bought the Switch for. It wasn't. It wasn't for Mario Odyssey. It wasn't for Zelda. I played Zelda originally on the Wii U, and then later I played on the Switch too. But you know, disregard the fact. But Xenoblade Chronicles One was my game of the year for that year. A game you know that came out on the Wii of all games, you know, all consoles. And um, since then, I've just been wanting a game like it. And Xenoblade Chronicles X was not that game. It certainly had elements of uh, the Xenoblade game, but its combat being very similar. But that game focus more on the world and exploration and not so much on the story and not so much on the, um, the characters because they, they felt like very much of, a, of an afterthought. You know, they, the characters in the story existed to serve the world but in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as much as it was in 1, the, uh, the world uh, exists in service of the characters and the overarching storyline. I think that's how you should do it personally. Uh, the cast of characters is f- uh, fantastic. Uh, really thought they were funny. Um, I could literally just go into like a big long rant about like which characters are interesting because of why and what makes them multidimensional, all that stuff. But I won't. But I will say that if you have a Switch and if you're looking for a JRPG experience, Xenoblade Chronicles Two is is the only answer to that question. I love the Five as much as uh, the other Disgaea games in a lot of ways, but you know that's that's a port. You know that that it's already came out to have this giant. You know I spent. About two hundred hours in this game, is that and all? I could still do more. Uh, what are you saying, right? Is that all? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I could put in probably another hundred <laughs> or so. Uh, you know, the thing about it is that when you get these rare blades, they are not just weapons that you get. You know, they are characters, and they have their own story, like quest line that you, you want to go through in order to unlock their full potential. And whenever you get them. You want to go through these uh, these things because you want to make them powerful. You want to be able to add them to your party. So, oh, man. There's still so much left to do. And I, I will do more of it. And, um, boy. It's just, it's just a really good game. I wish the performance was better, though. Because, boy, that's a Switch struggle. <laughs> you know, even on the even on this first year, the the, sh- the hardware is already showing age. Uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So it doesn't take away too much from the game. Uh, the next game on the list is Hellblade, Sanyo, and Sacrifice. I think, um, Mad put it pretty nicely. And the significance of this game I think comes to the idea that I always talk about how we can always be doing more with the medium of gaming because I think gaming is something you know games in general allow you to experience or put yourself in the position of another person you know that role-playing element that we always talk about and hellblade better than most any other games that i played in recent memory really puts you into the the shoes of uh and, and her and her mental condition you know uh and the way the game uses audio design especially i think is absolutely brilliant the the whispers, the constant doubt on the back of your mind, uh just just like eating away at you constantly. It it was so unnerving to the point that even though the game was not long, I could only play for about an hour and a half at a time because I was I was I was getting like disturbed. I was getting like I gotta I gotta put this down. I gotta I gotta go back to my body for a little bit before I can go <laughs> back to this game. That's how effective that audio design was. And to play through the game and what it symbolizes not only to People suffering uh, mental illness, but also to people you know outside looking in, wondering what they might be going through. And I think that is beautiful. I think Ninja Theory hit it out of the park. The fact that they brought in all these specialists and experts on the subject to really kind of walk them through what it really means to be suffering from these kind of conditions was the right move to make. It was done so respectfully. And I have the utmost respect for what they've accomplished here. Um, Next game.
3: uh, I just just have one more comment there. Yes, yes. Uh, It it really hit home to me because so much of my life I've always said that, you know, people should take responsibility for their actions. And their outcomes are based on the decisions that you make. You know, maybe a bit too overly logical. And I won't get into sort of the reasons I've sort of changed my stance on that. But this this game's a perfect example of that. Mm. You don't know what's going on in somebody's yeah. head, yes, yes. and you don't know, you know, the things that make sense to a person don't make sense to other people. People's brains are just wired differently, and I've backtracked a lot on that sort of overly logical approach of saying, you know, you got yourself into this mess; it's it's all your fault, or you know, I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't matter what happened to you in the past. Get over it, and you know set your goals for the future and, and take responsibility for your life. Th- this game is a perfect example of just how difficult that can be.
2: Yeah. Because, because you ne- you never know you know until you're in that person's position. And you can't truly. And I think games as a medium has the opportunity to at least give you a hint. Give you an idea of what that really means. What that really feels like. And I would like to see more games like this. Where yeah, for, they, for example... Basically-
3: what if you you thought you had a goal you know every game you you know there's always goals objectives and what if those objectives just kept switching and you you know you might spend 2 hours on something that no longer is your goal you know you might feel frustrated and i could totally imagine that as a representation of you know me- confusion yeah dementia of some sort i don't know
2: yeah there's like so many ideas and possibilities that are that haven't been explored yet in gaming and I think that 's what really excites me uh, about the medium as a whole because it yeah. 's such a, such, a, such a new uh, you know, fledgling uh, of a medium it hasn 't been that long since the first game was ever made compared to other things like obviously like books and movies and such. So where are we going to go from here? Uh, I think uh, you know, God only knows to that point right and that 's great. Yeah. Uh, the next game on the list is what remains of finish. I think uh, you know Matt already spoke to it uh, pretty well. And, uh, you know, I chimed in as well, so I don't think I have much other, to, uh, anything else to say. But I think this is a game that really kind of had me feeling all sorts of emotion just during a short, you know, uh, playthrough. Like, just a, just a sense of wonder while I'm changing between being a cat into a shark into a sea monster, you know, until the point where I'm just kind of sitting on a on a swing, just kind of swinging back and forth. Like, you, you figure things that ought to be monotonous, but when you're actually in that position with that narration playing, and you're trying to get the feel of what this individual was going through at the time, uh, it really, it really is, a, is a fascinating experience. And I yeah. think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just really good. Yeah, next game that... on the list... Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, next game on the list is Nier Automata. I think um, this is a game that I did not expect to exist. Frankly, until that, uh, until that, that that it was an announcement trailer was played, and uh, the funny story is, the original Near is actually one of the reasons why I ended up writing for uh, ZTGD, while why I decided to contact Matt, you know, Miss Matt over here and Drew, uh, because they were doing a playthrough of Near, and I just happened to catch. Um, uh, you know their their Phoenix Down episode about it, and I wanted to chime in with some thoughts of my own, and that's when I actually started talking to Drew, and then I t- started talking to Ken, and then when the position opened up, I, I signed up, and I've been with them ever since. So it's a weird it's a weird thing to have a have a history with a, with a game like that, and to have a sequel to a game that not a lot of people knew about, a game that did not sell, you know, a game from a from a developer that that failed, that went under, you know, that went under and then to have a sequel for it it was it was it was mind blowing and you know y- 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 yoko taro is, is a person that i think is you know when you think about the the crazies of the industry you think about you know like people bring up like kojima you know like he's he's a, he's obviously kind of a crazy person in, in some ways he's very eccentric but i think yoko taro is on a whole another level and it really reflects in his games the way the storyline kind of unfolds the the numerous I think the game has like over like fifteen endings depending on what you do, and also the game features the, the hands down the best soundtrack of the year like that 's not i don 't think that 's even the contest i 've listened to every other soundtrack because i've played basically every other game that people would mention, but this game, the way that they use the sound and how it shifts uh, depending on what you 're doing and then there's the existential crisis story uh, that 's featured in here, and the twists and turns that come in. And the the bittersweet ending, which Yoko Taro calls happy, but that's as happy as he's ever gonna make a game. So, which is <laughs> once again pretty funny. But uh, yeah, a tremendous game. And uh, this is a game unlike the original Nier that I have. I have to make no excuse for the combat, the visuals, the storyline. Uh, everything is great. Unlike unlike the original Nier, where I have to like oh, you gotta you know, just don't. Don't Look at the graphics too much there, It doesn't look good, it doesn't play well But the story is really good But no, Nier Automata is the whole package And that's why it's on this list uh, The next game on the list is uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild I think really nothing needs to be said About this game at this point But I'll, the only thing that I'll say is that After playing this game, I do believe that every Open world game at this point Going forward, should include a paraglider yep. Everyone with me? Yeah. Yep. Every Every game, mm-hmm. open world game, should include a paraglider and uh, a, a game that could have really benefited from having a paraglider, segue, is Horizon Zero Dawn, <laughs> the next game on my list. Just imagine Horizon
1: Zero Dawn with a paraglider, guys, come on. How amazing it would, fit, would that have been?
3: It would oh, fit in the world. I, I,
1: I just wish she you could climb. It? That was my you biggest know, complaint that about that game, is like, after playing Zelda and then jumping into mm-hmm. Horizon, I was like, why can't she climb?
2: She can barely jump. much less Yeah,
1: there's, she can barely jump, and, like, there are mountains and cliffs everywhere. Let me climb, Mom. You no, know, let me
2: climb on top of it and paraglide. down. come on, man. Yeah, can shoot,
1: shoot my bow and arrow from the paraglider. Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next
2: level. That's Horizon Zero Dawn 2, Can Boom, nailed it. Oh, man. That, that, that's where we're going. That might be my game
1: of the year. Oh, shit. I know.
2: That might be the game of forever. Oh, man. no you know, shit. You include those elements. Jesus Christ! But yeah, it has it had a really interesting storyline that hooked me from the very beginning to end, which is something that I can't say about a lot of open world games. Uh, the character uh, Alloy, as as uh, Ryan so well put it, is is one of the most interesting three dimensional characters that I've I've had the pleasure of uh, playing as this year, and the combat. Oh man! Oof. Ooh, oof, this is. This such a satisfying combat engine with yep. the different kind of monsters and the, the robots that you're facing having to like learn the patterns of the monsters felt like a mini monster hunter in a lot of ways. It felt like a slightly streamlined monster hunter experience in a lot of ways with all the different ways you can take down the monsters and use their own weaknesses against them uh, tremendous. The next game on my list is uh, Resident Evil 7 I think, I think I'm, a, I'm with Matt uh, saying that I had no idea what this game was going to be like. All I thought to myself was: After coming coming from Resident Evil Six, a game which I don't hate as much as a lot of other people seem to, I think I think it was okay. I think it was good, but it's still a, a very much a game that tried to make everyone happy and then kind of made nobody happy in a lot of ways. Yeah, and um, because of that, and you know, I was really worried, and the fact that. Resident Evil 7 looked so different from any other game in the series, it had me really worried, I gotta tell you. But when they dropped that demo, you know, I, I, my mind was kind of in a flurry, trying to make sense of what this means for the series, what kind of game are we gonna get. And when I finally played it, I was pleasantly surprised to find that the soul of Resident Evil still rests well in this game. The core of what really makes Resident Evil 7 the atmosphere, the tension, the little things like the management of your like inventory and not having all that many resources to kind of go through uh, <clears throat> to go through this nightmare fueled mansion, solving small puzzles here and there. It felt very much like a Resident Evil game, and it it kind of pisses me off because a friend of mine who is a big fan of Resident Evil won't play the game because he calls it a first person walking simulator. <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding me right now? It's like, It pisses me off. But be- and regardless of this fact, I played also the DLC as well. I think they are a little bit overpriced and kind of jammed in with some stuff that really doesn't need to be there. But playing like End of Zoe, uh, not a hero, uh, and some of the uh, things like where you're trapped in the bed. Ugh. Oh god. That that thing is fucking nightmare feel. But um, yeah, just really good. And boy, I-, I love Resident Evil. It's one of my favorite series of all time. It's like... Uh, it's, it's one of the cornerstones of my gaming habits. It's one of those games that I kind of play on my Vita. Like, I play, like, one Resident Evil game to finish on my Vita every year. Just I just get an itch, you know? And uh, to have Resident Evil 7 be as good as it is, to innovate as well as it does while keeping uh, the the core of what makes the series unique in its own way, a tremendous. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the next game.
3: Yeah. The, one thing I th- think is really interesting is that if you... You know, d- depending on who you are, everybody might even have different favorite Resident Evil games. But if you look at, say, two, four, five, and seven, mm-hmm. they're so such different games. Oh yeah, they're all so different, and they're all good for different reasons.
2: Agreed, a hundred percent, man. It just... And it, it,
3: that—that's an interesting thing in in the Resident Evil series for me is just how much they've changed, and you know, I, I've, I've been as. I guess as traumatized as anyone, even with four, I'm like, nope, this doesn't feel like Resident Evil anymore. It, you know, the over the shoulder, and then five, I'm like, nope, it's too, you know, it's too actiony. Six, no, it's too Hollywood. Seven, uh, <laughs> it's not even our Resident Evil anymore. But th- they're all good, and I, yeah. I just, I, I, I'm continually surprised by the series.
2: Yeah, that's. The, I think that's the way you got to do a long running series like Resident Evil, because think about it, you know the original resident evil came out in ps1 that's so many generations ago if they kept making the games exact exactly the same way that they had to then the the series would not be as beloved as it is today i think because they were willing to take the chances because they were willing to take the risk um like despite its flaws if resident evil 6 was the response to resident evil 7 i'm glad that that exists you know because they had to learn their lessons somehow and the lessons uh, To be learned has to be learned the hard way in a lot of ways in order to really sink in. And um, yeah, just, just just roses, man. Like we had Evil Within 2 and we had Resident Evil 7 and fucking Doki Doki Literature paving the way of horror <laughs> games this year. Holy shit, fucking disturbing ass games, but uh, I loved all of them. So yeah, but now we're finally at the top 3 where I'm pressured to actually number them or people are going to get pissed at me. So at uh, number 3, and um, let me let me just say that just because I gave a game a higher score doesn't necessarily make that my favorite game of the year. That's not how scores work, okay, people. So don't 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 get don't at me, as it were. So number three is Neil. People forget this game came out this year. It came out one of the first games that uh, came out this year. And what I can say about Neil is that I feel like there was a time or a place where I was walking the streets and someone just kind of pulled me aside and asked me. What are your favorite aspects? What are your favorite mechanics in a video game? and then, based on that questionnaire of me and me alone, they decided to make a video game and that is what neo is They're like oh you like you like very skill based you know uh." fast-paced combat engine like ninja Gaiden, you like you like the stamina management the strategy involved in dark soul combat you like the loot from a diablo game or you like the settle you like the setting of like a feudal japan you don't think enough games do it They're like yeah, yeah let's just make it into one game it's crime it all together and it really works i don't know how they did it but it, it works all those complex mechanics working in tandem and it works perfectly the only complaint that I had about the game, and then it's still the same complaint that I have, is that the storyline and the characters are just not that interesting. If they had like a really good story, or at least a better story, because to be frank, I think I think it kind of feels like a like a cast, you know, it's just they just did it just for the for the sake of having it.
1: I can't. But if I can't they had that, that game came from the same people that made Titty Volleyball. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? This is pretty
2: crazy. Well. Uh, Itagaki's
1: gone now, so... Well, you know, no, so. They, made a, they made a titty volleyball since he left.
2: Did they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it never came to the States.
1: Yeah, right. it was only released
2: in Asia. So, yeah.
1: Hey,
2: you know, like, I know you love those city volleyball games. Oh, they're you know. beast. beast. You know, This is a different beast, you know.
1: It's, it's a different breast.
2: Yeah, there's different type of breast, you know. You gotta, <laughs> there's all different types, but they're all beautiful, baby.
3: <laughs> Take a bag of sand any day. <laughs>
2: That's exactly what they feel like, Matt. If you didn't know, you know. I'm, I'm still stu- I'm still yeah. waiting
1: on the crossover Neo X, Extreme Two. That's the DL- that's a DLC I'm waiting on. I'm waiting on the Gravure Cam for, for Neo.
2: I'm sure there's some waifu candidates in Neo that I haven't dug up. You
1: know, yeah, like, yeah.
2: Look, it's, it's gotta yeah, really yeah. It's got to look for You know. Um. But yeah, Neo, fantastic game, and I played through all the DLC. Their season pass was on sale for, like, seven bucks, which was insane because of the amount of content that you get. And the final DLC content had you fighting fucking Ryu Hayabusa at huh. the end. And that was an amazing, amazing way to close out the series. Because uh, it also kind of implies that the Ninja Gaiden and Neo Universe is in the same, same thing, which is really exciting because the next Ninja Gaiden might also have, like, Neo characters in it, which would be great. Uh, the next game on the list, I think... Uh, uh, this one I think people should have seen coming, Persona 5. I think this was one of my most anticipated games of the year. And uh it really does over basically on everything. Like all the all the things that I wanted in the new Persona game, the story, the characters. But what I did not expect from Persona 5 and I got in spades was the style. It is the most stylish game ever. Like everything about this game whether you're looking through menus or you're fighting in in combat, you know. It just oozes style, and um, it's not just a style because it has all this really meaningful content with the social links, delving into different kind of uh, storylines and themes that I, I was some of which I did, wasn't expecting. The combat engine was much improved from Persona Four as well in a lot of different ways to make it more streamlined, but also still keep a lot of difficulty and complexity as well. Yeah, this is not really much to say. Persona Five was just one of those games that you can't really find a lot of flaws for. You know, you just play it, and you're like, "Wow, this game is fantastic!" And I can totally understand why this game took like eight years to make. It it makes sense. (laughs) I get it. Uh, And I also forget that this game also came out on PS3, um, and it looks as good as it does. You know, it's it's fantastic the 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 artistic style of it. Um, Yeah, nothing much to say. It's just a really good game, and my number one game. I think this might. uh, may or may not come as a surprise. And it actually came as a surprise to me because, like I said, I had to go back on this list many a times, going back and forth. And um, I thought about what really it means to be my favorite game of the year. Because I don't think about, you know, game of the year as some kind of objective thing, you know, because we, we have different tastes, we have different uh things that matter to us. And that game for this year uh is of b year for me. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that it is... The best game of this yeah. year that I played? No, it's by, No, not, not even close to the best game that I played. It has many a flaws. But what I was thinking as I was looking through my list of games is that what game can't I stop thinking about? What game do I keep having discussions and constantly am wondering what's next for the series? And I think that can only be done wrong. Because I've never felt more conflicted about a game in my life then Danganronpa V3. As I was thinking about writing the review back when I had to sit on that review, I had to sit on it for days before I could start writing the review because I didn't know how I felt. And once I started really getting my thoughts and feelings in order about what I had experienced, and after my second playthrough uh, with Matt and Drew, we trying to reevaluate the things that I've seen and trying to piece together all the little clues and snippets that was left by the director, I started to really... Come to an understanding about that game, and I have an appreciation for that game that is, is is something that I don't have for the other games. Like, yes, I had I probably had more fun, more enjoyment, you know, just pure enjoyment playing the other other two games in this series, just because of they were just more you know clear cut open open you know open games. You, you know what you're getting into. You play the game, you finish it, you have fun, and that's it. But for this game, challenged me in ways I didn't know. I wanted to be challenged and really asked a lot of questions that were uncomfortable, uh, to ask of myself. And some of which I still don't have answers to. Even months, uh, months after the fact. And I really had to reevaluate, uh, a lot of things that I, I took for granted about the way I take in entertainment and what it really means to just kind of, you know, take something from fiction. And, uh, yeah, just. It just blew me away in a lot of ways, and it's just not the not just the after effects, but during when I was playing the game. I think, Matt, I think you can also attest, attest to this point. Uh, subverting one's expectations is taken to the next level in Danganronpa V three. Like there is no possible way that you could ever see the things that happen in this game coming.
3: It's like the Last Jedi.
2: <laughs> well, well, maybe, maybe it's... I think I think people uh, get crazy with theories and stuff like that uh, with Star Wars even more than Donkaran Rumpa. So I'm sure there are some people that will probably say they saw everything coming and actually mean it. And uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what to say about that game other than it just it haunts me. Uh, I, a, I would agree the,
3: that's that's usually a good sign, and I al- I almost always will bump games up the list if they have that quality if they just yeah. stick with you. Uh, so many games i play i enjoy and i forget yeah essentially immediately
2: yeah but- i think i think that that means a lot to me uh, especially and in in a year where there's just no shortage of games that could be the game of the year for any other year i think this game i really had to evaluate what it really means to be my favorite game of the year and i think uh that that mark goes to for uh, v3 and you know I don't know where the series is going to go f- uh, from here, but Matt, I'm not sure if you read this, but uh, they did an interview uh, months after the fact, which uh, they were allowed to post um, with the director. And they asked the question, where do you want to take Rumpa series next? And the director responded by saying, I don't have any plans after Danganronpa V3, but this game is centered around lies, and this interview may also be a lie. Huh. That
3: bastard, man. <laughs> I did actually just pick up Ultra Despair Girls yesterday.
2: And that's a fun game. It's a, it's a very different experience, but I still enjoyed it all the same. I think the next game of the series we might be getting is Ultra Despair Girls too. so might be a good time to dig deep into that. But yeah, yeah that that is my uh, game of the year, and I'm not going to go into any disappointments this year because I think game of the year is a celebration of games, and I want to just kind of keep the good vibes going.
1: Alright. Well, I'll wrap it up then. And then we have some emails from listeners who have sent us their lists. Very nice. Uh, I'll go through my honorable mentions first, and I will rattle off the ones that we've already talked about, so we don't need to talk about them a bunch more. Uh, but Horizon Zero Dawn is in my honorable mentions. Oof, honorable, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. as is Near Automata. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gravity Rush 2. Okay. Mass Effect Andromeda. Wolfenstein 2, and Tekken 7. I said that this list could have been a top 10, and I meant it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, really.
1: Those are all great games. Now, to talk about a few honorable mentions that nobody has talked about yet. I have a couple of those. Uh, First up, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. Mm -hmm. I was a person who didn't think I needed another Uncharted after 3.
3: I'm still not sure I do need Lost Legacy.
1: And then I played Lost Legacy, and man, that's a good Uncharted game. It it might it might be my favorite. Whoa. It's pretty good. Two has always been my favorite, but man Really? They did a lot of good stuff in Lost Legacy. Is Lost
0: Legacy?
2: Yeah. Like what what really drew you into Lost Legacy in particular? The two the characters or... the two
1: characters are excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh I really enjoyed the open world segment because it, right. it kind of put Uncharted on its head. Uh Lost Legacy also contains all of the quality of life improvements that that series has created over the years. Mm-hmm. So there's not a, as much of an annoying pieces of that game, like the first game, Bullet Sponge Enemies, and you know the second game, the poor pacing at the end of it, and just a lot of really weird things. And, and not to mention, you can never sell Uncharted short on, holy shit, that game looks amazing. Oh, geez, Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, no, Chloe and, um, oh God, her name is escaping me. Nadine. Nadine. Yeah. Yeah. Like those two characters throughout that game, the best relationship in that series. And without spoiling anything, the stuff in four was fantastic, especially towards like the third act, but this one just tops it. So it made an honorable mention. Yeah, it's uh, another one I
3: picked up, and I just, I'm just i looking for a free weekend where I can dive into it.
1: Yeah, it's almost the perfect length, too. Like, Uncharted games feel bloated a lot of times. They feel a little longer than they should be, and this one just feels like the perfect length. So, hmm. And good puzzles. Good, solid puzzles in that game, too. Um, A game that almost made my list, uh, A Hat in Time. Oh, yeah. If you love Mario 64, you should play this game. Hmm. It is... It is essentially the homage to Mario 64. It's extremely charming. Um, it is just a great 3D platformer. In a year that kind of saw the resurgence of 3D platformers between Mario Odyssey and Ukulele and so many other games, but this one was probably the best one that did not star an Italian plumber. <laughs> uh, Sonic Mania. All right. I have to give a shout to Sonic Mania because my God, they made a good 2D Sonic game in 2017, and I had a blast playing through that game. I loved the visual style. I loved the upgrades that they made to it. Uh, I loved the remixed older levels. The music is fantastic. Like everything about that game is like the epitome of what makes Sonic great. Uh, what did I skip over? Uh, the only one left is SteamWorld Dig 2. I was shocked more people didn't talk about this game.
2: (laughs) I I haven't played it, but it's on my list of games to get on Switch.
1: Oh my (laughs) lord, that game is so good. Like, the first game was cool, and it was neat, and it was fun, but it was just kind of lacking something. And the second game added, like, these upgrades that you could get throughout the game that you could kind of pick in any order that you wanted to get them, which left the game very open. Um it's just visually appealing all the steam world games have the same kind of look and this one just kind of nails it looks really great on the switch and just that game is just super fun and if you enjoy you know kind of like i hate to use the word metroidvania about metroidvania style games <laughs> steam world dig 2 is is probably one of the best ones i've played in a while so
2: um, I played Seamworld World Dig the first one, right? Yeah, but, so did uh, I.
1: So did I, and it didn't. It didn't stick with me. Yeah, it, it
2: didn't do it for me. It's, but this one is, is is different and better. Yes, yes. Everything okay. that okay. you
1: wanted the first one to do that it just didn't do, this mm-hmm. one does. It's perfectly paced. It's great for those. It's great for the Switch because it's one of those games you can pick up and play for twenty minutes and feel accomplished. Right. Um, it, there's just something about it that it just resonates with me, and I, and I had a really fun time playing that game.
2: So it's on my list of games to get.
1: Yes, you should definitely play it. Alright, let's do the 10. Number 10. I'm going to start with a game nobody's mentioned. Half people probably haven't heard of. <laughs> I love the, my favorite kind of games. Let's go. My, uh, But goddamn, I love this game. It's called Battle Chasers Night War.
2: I know of the game, but I haven't played it yet.
3: I can't. Yeah. yeah, some kind of a hodgepodge of a title. <laughs>
1: it, yeah, it's like it's like if somebody picks some some words out of a random game name generator, and like here's your game name. But no, this game, the art style is done by Joe Mad, um, which you might recognize his work from something like Darksiders. Uh, this game has a very similar aesthetic. It is a turn-based RPG, um, fairly similar to like a, the old school Final Fantasy, things like that. This game just tells a great tale of these characters. The characters are all very unique. Uh, the battle system is very intricate, very fun to play. It it kind of, you know, a lot of turn-based stuff gets kind of stale, but I really like like the overdrive moves and you know the the rock paper scissors formula of the combat. Um, I just just everything about this game just felt really good. It would have been higher on my list had it not been for the huge difficulty spike that kicks in about three-quarters of the way through the game. Uh, makes it very frustrating. I have heard they patched that, so oh, yeah. I kind of want to go back and, and play around with that a little bit. But it's fairly easy early on, and then the spike just jumps amazingly. Which, if they'd have you know, generally built up the difficulty over time, it would have been fine. But it it feels like I went into this dungeon at one point in the game and just felt completely overleveled even though I had been I had been this is one of those games where I I felt the need to hit every spot on the map to do everything in there and I felt like I was doing everything and then to just hit a brick wall was was frustrating but the the art design the the soundtrack the soundtrack is incredible absolutely love it but if you haven't played this game and you enjoy you know turn-based RPGs i definitely recommend checking it out
2: can you got you got to suck giving me a list of games I got to play, man? Come on. You gotta, <laughs> I know. Let, let, let me let me lose, man. Come on.
1: I know. I know. It's 2018. There's you know, there's no games coming out. It's Dragon Ball, <laughs> no, Monster no. Hunter. You know. I don't. I've never even heard of Monster Hunter, man. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. So, so. Uh, number nine on my list was that game I played on on December 30th to squeeze in the last game before the. Doki Doki
2: Literature Club, baby. I'm no. I'm
1: so glad you agree, Ken.
2: Yeah, no, so, so
1: deserved. No. No? no, number oh. nine is what remains of E the Finch. Yep. Mm. That game was, man, the bathtub. The, oh. The, oh, yeah. The the freaking so good. The comic book. Oh yeah, the the soundtrack. The, the, the soundtrack. Oh my god, <laughs> that game is just. And then when you get to the end and you realize what happened, you're like, oh man, I want to cry. I know. I know, so good. So if you've not played that game, don't read about that game. Just go download that game and play through it. Yeah, it's incredible. Number eight. I'm gonna make Jay proud. Yakuza Zero. Dragon oh, nice. dragging up Doji, my baby. Oh my god, that game is so good. <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm terrified to start Kiwami because I'm like I still have some stuff to mob up in Zero, and I kind of want to do that first. And then I think, well, if I then if I start Kiwami. I'm not going to have any time to play any other games because, holy shit, Yakuza games are like 150 hours or something. Ken, <laughs> yeah, Ken, you, you got to finish Kiwami in time for Kiwami 2, baby. Come on. Oh, man. Get on the level. Yakuza 0 is just, man. It it reminds me, and I hate to keep going back to this, but it reminds me of The Witcher 3 where, like, even the stupidest side stories are super freaking interesting. Like, when, when you're having a conversation with people, you're talking about Yakuza 0, and you bring up a mission, you're like, Man, did you do that mission where you had to teach the dominatrix how to be dominating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are like, what? Or the fact where you had to pretend you were a movie producer? Like, this is stupid. But man, it was so awesome. Love that game. Yeah. Number seven is the Evil Within 2.
2: Nice.
1: I, too, enjoyed the first game. I felt it had some severe pacing issues, especially towards the end. Uh, but the second one, like Jay said, it it really just it really just polished everything about the first game, and it, it just felt really good to have a horror game, in that vein, that was really good. That does not have the word you know resident in it. <laughs> Number six is Cuphead because Cuphead is the bomb.
2: Man, My so God, that game! I got to go back to it.
1: That game is so good, like. The gameplay, the visuals, the music, like everything about that game is just incredible. And it is one of the hardest games I've ever played, but also you don't get mad at how hard See, it is.
3: It's that difficulty that's scaring me off from trying it.
1: And what makes it good is that every time that game like beats you down, you feel like you've learned something. And the controls are so precise and perfect that if you die, you immediately know it is your fault. It is just such a good game. And the levels are only like two or three minutes for the bosses. Yep. So it's not hard to keep doing it over. It's, it's got that trials mentality of pick myself up, do it again. It's just such a good game. And there is nothing like it visually. Nothing. Nothing. Number five is good old Resident Evil 7. I think we've talked that game to death, but man, (laughs) I was in the same boat as everybody else when that game came out. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this game. And then I played it, and oh my god, it's is—it's up there. One of my favorite Resident Evil games. So good. I'm so looking forward to playing the DLC. I wish Capcom would hurry up and put that X patch out, because I feel like I just want to wait till it's out so I can play through um, it.
2: Do they have an ETA for their pads at
1: all? It, it's it been coming soon since December, <laughs> which means usually is two weeks, but okay. for some reason that game just, they haven't got it out yet. So, But I'm waiting. I've got all the DLC. I've got both band footages. I've got End of Zoe, and I've got Not a Hero downloaded. I'm ready to go. A- End
2: of Zoe really surprised me. I think I'm going to get the kick out of that the most...
1: I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to playing that game again because I haven't played that game since like maybe around February or March. No, but it it's, still it's resonates with me of how good it was. Number four is Super Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I had been waiting on a spiritual successor to Super Mario 64 since, you know, 1998. <laughs> and I finally got it. I, I was... <sighs> I like Sunshine. I'm one of the few. I am also one of the few that did not think Galaxy was all that great <sighs> and I feel like I, I love the world the 3D games, 3D Land, 3D World I love those games but to me those are not Mario games in the same sense as like a 64 was and Odyssey finally delivered that and it's really good. If I had one knock against that game is that I feel like they shoehorned too many moons into that game
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting game because I just finished reading the book Super Mario How Nintendo Conquered America yeah. and it, it's an interesting game ba- or it's an interesting book just based on you know, it's the history of Nintendo it's almost just, I'd call it the history of video games from Nintendo's perspective Yeah, oh. but it ends sort of last generation and I would love to see another two chapters or so written about what's happened in the last few years with the Wii U and the Switch. Yeah. And I'd just like to see that book continually updated with the current state of affairs of Nintendo, and I think Super Mario Odyssey would... would create sort of another storyline for that book, I think.
1: Absolutely. That game feels like people... you know, the the people at Nintendo finally realize, like, hey, people are really hungry for Mario 64, a 3D Mario, a traditional Mario and they went out and they built probably one of the best ones that they've ever built. (laughs) Alright, nitty-gritty, top three. I'm as shocked about number three as the rest of the world is, but Assassin's Creed Origins is really fucking good.
2: Wow, Wow. number three, huh?
1: Yeah, that game is really good, and Mm. like Wombat, droned on and on about earlier that world is amazing <laughs> I, I I can't stress that enough like it's one of those worlds where you walk around and you just want to constantly take pictures of how gorgeous it is and mm-hmm. I know Jay you're waiting until the exploration mode hits I'm excited for that mode as well because I just kind of yeah. want to walk around that world mm-hmm. it's, it's stunning especially you know I bought the X and Origins is probably one of the biggest showcases for that damn thing holy shit this the, the, the image quality and the, the draw distance, and just my god, that game is beautiful. <sighs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you get into your best, best yeah, game. Right? What's sci what's for,
1: man? You should be happy. What's going on? I debated one and two's order for I've been debating it since, let's be fair, May. Yeah, I know, sure. I know, I know,
2: they, I know the two games you're talking about, huh? Mm-hmm.
1: But number two ended up being Legend of Zelda: The Breath of the Wild. Oh!
0: Okay, all
1: right. <laughs> I adore that game. I think it's probably the best Zelda game since Link to the Past. Um, I spent over a hundred hours in that world. I still want to go explore that world every time I play that game. I just have a giant smile on my face, which is so hard for so many games. And I you know, yes, I you know, we've argued about that game so many times. I agree about the annoyances of that game. I do. But everything that it did outshined all of those problems for me. And I absolutely adored it. Which makes number 1 Overwatch. Of course. <laughs> That's a given all along. No. Although if there was a if there was a, a winner for Game Most Played this year, it was certainly Overwatch. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: Just, no doubt.
1: <laughs> but number one is Injustice Two. Because like you, Jay, if somebody was walking down the street and personally asked me what kind of game <laughs> would be perfect for me, let's have the guys who make Mortal Kombat, one of my favorite series, make a game about the D C superheroes, which is my favorite comic books. Let's add loot and gear to the game. Let's put the roster at, oh, let's say when the Ninja Turtles launch in February, 38 characters. (laughs) Holy crap. That game. Yeah. I played it yesterday. I still play that game on a weekly basis. And I adore it. And I'm so happy. I didn't think they could top the first game. But, man, that first game feels like shit now.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing about Injustice 1 is that in, you know, in order to prepare for Injustice 2, I actually watched a YouTube video of the, the story mode. And I was like, wow, this does not look as good as I remember it. Yeah, you know? yeah. The production value wasn't as, as there as I thought it was. But, holy shit, the production value of the
1: Injustice 2 storyline, bar none, nothing has ever even come close. It's insane. Yeah, I still play that game regularly now that it's had, you know, it's 4K patch and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just stare at the visuals and I'm like, my God, this game is, an, it's just incredible. And on top of that, it's super fun. I just played a lot of that game. I probably think that's my second most played game. You know, we get that little thing from Xbox. It's like, here's your most played games of the year. Overwatch Mm was, you know, head and shoulders above everything else. Of course. course. But Injustice was way above everything else below that. (laughs) (laughs) I think Injustice, I'm up to almost 200 hours in that game this year. Wow. I really, really, really like that game. So I, I felt at the end of the day that had to be number one. It just had to be.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm sure it was a difficult process uh, because I know you've been mulling this 1 and 2 idea. You had the 1 and 2 locked for so long, and then you had to just keep going back and forth. I'm sure it switched back and forth many a times.
1: Oh, it did. I, I love Zelda with all my heart, but man, the Mortal Kombat guy's making a DC fighting game. Come on. Come on! So
2: 2018 will be more interesting without an Injustice three. It will be.
1: There's no <laughs> yeah. Zelda. There's no Injustice. So what will be my 2018 game of the year?
2: I know. Uh, you know, it's probably Doki Doki Literature Club. But, I, think know, so, that, I think. I think mean, so.
1: <laughs> Actually, it'll probably yeah. just be Overwatch again.
2: Probably. <laughs> you know,
1: are you are you past a uh, thousand hours yet in Overwatch? Like I'm at seven hundred. Wow getting there. In a year yep. and a half, I've put 700 hours in that game.
3: That's insane.
1: It is. And the, the worst part is, is like, I still get excited to play it almost every night.
2: It's, it's, it's one of those games, man. I think I've kind of fallen out of love with it. Not so much because I don't like the game anymore. I still do. I still like the game a lot. But 2017 has been that year where if I'm not playing a new game, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there, there's so many games that I, I want to check out. So it's just been like that. I, sure.
1: I, I did that this weekend. I was like, you know what? I need to play a game, so I have a review game. And truthfully, I'm not saying this wouldn't have been on my list, at least mm-hmm. as an honorable mention, but I played this game called Blossom Tales on the Switch. Mm. And Never heard of that, that, is that game is essentially, you know, if A Hat in Time is the homage to Mario 64, Blossom Tales is the homage to A Link to the Past.
2: Oh, 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 oh. I gotta write this down. God it's, damn
1: it, Ken. Killing me. It's good. I played through the first dungeon and it took me I think about forty five minutes to an hour to get through the opening area in the first dungeon. And like when I finished the first dungeon, I'm like, Yep, I'm gonna play this game. Uh,
2: how dare you name drop my favorite Zelda game. God yeah. damn That's a cheap shot. Man. It's
1: my favorite Zelda game, you know, and like <sighs> I started playing this game, I'm like, this this feels a lot like oh man, even the music, oh oh what's going on? Ooh, it's
2: a game that I've, never, I've never even heard of. It doesn't even sound familiar. I
1: didn't hear yeah, of that. it. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it until somebody sent me a press release about it. I'm like, huh, this looks like Zelda.
3: Yeah, yeah, I hadn't heard of it until you mentioned it uh, a few days ago, I think, Ken. But it definitely is one I want to pick up, especially once I finish up Breath of the Wild and I'm looking for Game 3 on the Switch.
1: Yeah, I, uh, this one and Never Stop Sneaking have been two of the cooler things I've played on the Switch this month.
2: Man, you know, actually, I'm pretty excited that you're gonna actually have finished a Zelda game and a Final Fantasy game by the end of this year, Matt. That's that's pretty exciting, actually. Yeah, so your first. <laughs> yeah, this is these long-running franchises that everyone's familiar with. You're kind of getting the first taste of completion of one of them, so that's gonna be very interesting. I, I'm curious about how you're gonna feel about the series going forward. Whether you wanna try to revisit the old ones or you're gonna be just be down to play the new ones as they come out. It'll be interesting.
1: Alright, we got some emails. Speaking of right. which, um, if you're excited about 2018, Nintendo just announced that that Direct on the 11th mm-hmm. is two hours long. Ho ho! And they said, we're excited to show you new features for the Switch and games Ew. old and new.
2: Xenoblade Chronicles 3, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I asked for too much.
1: Oh, Alright, so Chad sent us an email. Uh, I just want to chime in with my personal top 10 games of 2017. Please keep in mind that I only play it on PS4 this generation, not out of fanboyism, but because I really only have time for one console anymore. For this reason, there are probably several games that should be on my top 10 list that I haven't had the privilege to play. Some particular games that I would like to play but haven't had the opportunity include Breath of the Wild, Neo, Near Automata, Cuphead, South Park, The Fractured Butthole. Man, that game made oh, wow. nobody's list. That game would
2: have made my honorable list in any other, any other year. Yeah, just, mine too. Yeah, just, yeah.
1: Uh, Divinity Original Sin 2, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Hollow Knight, Oof. and Persona 5.
2: Oof. Chad, you're breaking my heart, man. Okay.
1: So Bye. his top ten games are... Number ten, Wolfenstein 2, Hellblade, mm-hmm. Senua's Sacrifice, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, Tales of Berseria, Mass yeah. Effect Andromeda. Here's another Dude. game that made nobody else's list. Middle Earth Shadow of War... Oh, yeah, that came out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, what Remains of Edith Finch, yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn, Yakuza 0, and yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins. Cool stuff. That's a,
2: that's a nice variety of genres you got there. That's Absolutely. Cool stuff. A lot of great yeah.
1: games on there. Honorable mentions are Final Fantasy XII, Resident Evil 7, uh, Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Evil Within. Uh, my biggest surprise of the year was how much I enjoyed Yakuza 0, considering it was my first foray into the series. My biggest disappointment was Prey. Hmm. I forgot that game. Oh came yeah, up this year. <laughs> came up. Uh, I didn't hate that game, but it wasn't it wasn't amazing. Yeah, that's true. It started off strong, then died in the middle. My biggest controversial opinion of the year was that Mass Effect Andromeda is actually good. I'm only one trophy short of the platinum. It's by no means close to being a perfect game or anywhere near as good as the trilogy, but I enjoyed its sense of exploration and how it ties in with the novels. Yeah, yep.
2: I-, I will comment about Andromeda, but my face is too tired for that.
1: <laughs> uh, I wish I could yeah. have played a lot more in 2017 But I probably spent about half of the year Trying to get caught up on my backlog My favorite backlog games I completed this year Are Firewatch, Ratchet and Clank, Tales of Zestiria The Last Guardian, Heavy Rain Remastered Watch Dogs 2 and Abzu uh, I know everyone thinks this has probably been the best year for games But next year is looking incredible These game releases need to slow down I can't keep up Best of luck to you all and Happy New Year Happy Year Alright, Sean sends in his list uh, Says, hope all is well, figured I'd chime in with my best games Even though this list, or this is an odd year for me As I don't have a Switch, so I couldn't play two of the top contenders for Game of the Year Also just got a PS4 at Christmas, so I haven't finished Horizon either So my list will be short Number one, PUBG, That's was on mm-hmm. nobody's list mm-hmm. Yeah uh, Number two, Injustice 2, hell yeah brother Number three, Resident Evil 7, number four, Wolfenstein 2, and number five, Mass Effect Andromeda. Not a typo. By the end, it came through for me. <laughs> cool. Uh, if you do, any bold predictions for next year, I'm calling that we see a major franchise do a Battle Royale mode for their multiplayer this year, such as Battlefield Royale.
2: I, I think Call of Duty, Battlef- uh, Battlefield, Battlefront, they're all going to have their own battle-, battle Royale modes.
1: I've heard <laughs> rumblings of Halo doing a Battle Royale mode.
2: I believe it. Mm, yeah.
1: I don't like that at all.
2: <laughs> you don't?
1: <laughs> no. Maybe maybe you'll actually
2: try. Well, you like PUBG. Why don't you like P- that idea?
1: PUBG's fine, but PUBG is yep. PUBG. Halo is not that. Halo mm. is its own beast, and it's always been its own beast. And I don't know. It'd be like if Overwatch did. Oh, wait. Paladins did that, didn't it? Didn't they? <sighs> yep. They're adding a battle royale mode to Paladins. Anyway. Dustin writes in, All right, uh, 2017, top ten, here we go. I missed out on quite a few games, like The Surge, Night in the Woods, and Divinity 2, but even without them, it was still really tough to pick ten. Starting with honorable mention, Star Fox 2, just because I think it's cool it actually got released. Um, (laughs) Farpoint, the gun controller for this game, works really good in VR and shows promise for future installments. Static, a great puzzle game for VR. What Remains of Edith Finch, good storytelling and different gameplay mechanics. Metroid: Return of Samus, an amazing remake. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mario and Rabbids, really fun SRPG. Final Fantasy XIV: Stormblood, probably the game I played most this year. Uh, and they added Ran, uh, RDM, my new main, Red uh, Red Death Mage. Is that what that is, right?
2: I I wouldn't know.
1: <laughs> I I haven't played Stormblood, unfortunately. So, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, I could play one of these every year, every other year. Sorry. Now on to the list. Uh, which depending on the day you asked me, 3 through 9 <laughs> could be in a different order. Yep. Number 10, Xenoblade 2, epic story, great combat, all around great JRPG. Number 9, Cuphead, fantastic art style, unforgiving difficulty, that is in no way cheap, best Xbox game this year. Number 8, Horizon Zero Dawn, gorgeous graphics, best story this year, can't wait for sequels. Number seven, Near Automata, best soundtrack, engrossing story, tight combat, loved everything about it. Number six, Persona 5, best RPG this year, got a little long, but loved every minute of it, it oozes style. Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, biggest surprise of this year, the sound design in this is amazing. I highly recommend mm-hmm. playing this game with headphones, touches on mental issues, and captivates players on Senua's journey through Nordic Hell. Number four, *Neo*. Dark Souls is one of my all-time favorite series, and this game is in the same vein. It's different enough to stand on its own, and I think it is a bit easier, but I loved every encounter and boss fight best action game of the year. Number three, Resident Evil 7, VR only. If I didn't play this game in VR, it would be a lot lower on the list, since I played exclusively in VR. It's one of the most amazing experiences in my gaming life. Being in that world and having everything scaled to your size amplifies the horror and dread of what's around every corner. If you have VR, you need this game. Number two is Mario Odyssey. This game brought so much joy to me. It's so easy to sit down and play and get lost in the Mario universe, exploring the different worlds and trying to find every last moon is so much fun. One of the best games of this generation and one of the best Marios to date. Number one, Zelda The Breath of the Wild. This game is hands down the best game of the year for me. It takes open world style and makes exploring enjoyable and exciting everywhere you go there's something to discover and places in the distance you want to go explore next. The combat is great and if you're not paying attention you can die pretty easy. The shrines and dungeons have a wide variety of puzzles to solve too. If you have a Switch or Wii U this is a must own game and probably one of the best games ever made Uh, Most disappointing game South Park the Fractured Butthole (laughs) Too much of the same jokes and not that great of story game I disliked the most, Prey I felt the guns and powers were boring and combat wasn't good at all and the ending isn't what it's cracked up to be and most anticipated game of 2018 God of War, I know for sure it's coming out and I'm really excited to see what they do with Nordic mythology and how the story is driven alright, Antonio writes in says, my top 10 in no particular order except for my first pick which is my game of the year uh, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. Ah. Oh. Uh, list is also Horizon Zero Dawn, Super Mario Odyssey, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, Life is Strange Before the Storm, that's the first I've heard that.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, Nier Automata, Injustice 2, Wolfenstein 2, and another game I hadn't heard yet, Gran Turismo Sport. Oh, right. Uh, games that I... Games I have that probably would have made the list, but uh, had I played them, include Assassin's Creed Origins, Zelda Breath of the Wild, The Evil Within 2, Forza 7, and Ghost Recon Wildlands. Ghost Recon was last year. Wasn't it? Or was was that this year?
3: Uh, I think it was actually this year.
1: Holy shit, I didn't realize that game was this year. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Looks like it was March
1: 7th. Holy crap, I totally forgot that game came out this year. I played a lot Uh, of that game, but...
2: The only reason I remember it is because it sold extremely well. One of the best-selling games of the year.
1: Yeah, that and For Honor lit up the charts when they came out. Uh, Mookie sends an email and says, hey guys, it's me and 2017 has been a year of exhaustion for me and not a lot of games to list. Although there are so many games I had to sacrifice from the list, like Horizon Zero Dawn, because I didn't spend enough game time to put them on the list, so reasons may vary. So please read them from the top uh, to number one. Uh, He sent a list. Let me bring it up. Oh, man, it's on OneDrive. Okay, here we go. Number one, The Pit People. From the devs who brought you games like Castle Crashers. This game also blew me away in hilarious presentation. Like the narrator is actually the villain. And he's actually a giant alien teddy bear who's trying to kill you by his storytelling. But please do not let your eyes fool you. It may look like a hexagonal tactical game, but a, uh, as soon as you enter the battle, you'll find out that even a non-fan of that gameplay will find it cheap, easy, and a lot of fun to play. With character customization, trippy tracks, funny characters, and oh-so-easy battle system, which is easy as that Mario and rabbits game from Twitch. I think he meant Switch.
2: <laughs> from Twitch. Well, someone might be streaming it on Twitch. True, so anyway. true.
1: Although it's on early access, I can't wait to finally start the game from scratch and play my way through the game, and it has online multiplayer co-op. Number two, Star Command Galaxies. I tried the mobile version a long time ago, with the, uh, and with my surprise that the devs are making the PC version, and it seems that they listen to feedback. It plays like FTL, but with the uh, in-depth details, storyline, character development, and pop culture humor from shows like Star Trek. Just like how I was excited about Starbound, this game is shaping up to go in that direction, and I hope it will be released soon with more polished mechanics and more additional details to the game. Number three, Fortnite Battle Royale. Uh, Apart from what the guy, PUBG, claimed this game to be a copy of his own, stupid complaint in my personal opinion, dude must be afraid of competition in the business. It's more than that. The reason why I prefer this over PUBG is that it's a lot less getting away from realism and focused on being a lot more fun, like the colors, 50 versus 50 mode, hiding behind a portable bush, and strategically building materials to shield yourself from enemies. Number four, they are Billions. RTG Fortress Defense set up in a steampunk world, gathering resources to build the last stronghold of human civilization as they ready up from incoming horde of zombies, That comes from every direction, mini and fast, just like that World War Z movie. It's fun, but also tough to play. Number five is House Party. Not to be confused with the kid and play House Party, I think. Um, Aside from the game's adult-themed controversy, the gameplay isn't all that bad. Nudity in adult games are widespread on Steam, and most of them lack substances in gameplay and get directly down to the booby business. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, they usually suck. I'm looking at bloody boobs, devs. <laughs> God. This game has so much potential. It has RPG mechanics to work before actually getting there. So props to the devs on this one. I got. I'm sorry. I gotta click this link. What is house party? Oh, you gotta put in your birth. You gotta put in your birthday. Uh oh. Be honest not Ken. Uh, I was born in let, 1959.
3: That sounds about right. This. You're like, allowed to have some booby business then.
1: I am about it. Its reviews are very positive.
3: Okay.
2: It looks like people generate like boobs. This it looks like
1: it's an episode of the real world or something. All right. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of a lot of games on his list. I've heard of Pit People and Fortnite. I think it's the only two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, "Personally, if you guys want to ask me, I can't find a real game of the year for this year. I got burned out from open world and RPG plus open world games, and it got me all sick inside. Plus, marriage is on my mind every day, so I revert to games within my reach, and most of them are mobile games. I also can't stand playing hmm. multiplayer games like Overwatch because they bore me to death. Also, PUBG because it's not my personal thing and it doesn't have varieties to make me stay." But I found it on Rainbow Six Siege because I like the daily and weekly challenges, they release new content, and the gameplay is so strategic that it also relies on sound, pinpoint, enemy positions. And finally, unlike PUBG that takes so damn long to finish a damn round, each round in Rainbow Six only takes three and a half minutes. So yeah, apart from my top ten of the year, 2017 is where Rainbow Six Siege was played by Mookie and loving the fuck out of it. But if I want to just chill out on my console, I have Crash Bandicoot in mind. Not open world. No need for me to grind and play it until I get frustrated enough and call it a day. (laughs) 2017 was the year of fighting games, pay-to-win schemes, the confusing loot box system, and grindy open world games. It was an overwhelming gaming year for me and a bit sad on that area. At the same time, a happy one because I finally married the love of my life. Something to look forward to is getting a Switch so I can convince my old school game of a wife that Mario isn't that bad on 3D. Play more and buy a lot less because I have yet to play games like The Witcher 3, Divinity Original Sin, Pillows of Eternity, etc. Happy New Year, everyone, and please make costumes great again. (laughs) Whew. Alright. I read them all.
2: It's a lot of games. Well done. Well done.
1: Whew. Yeah, there were a lot of games this year.
2: Uh, I'm glad to see a lot of different games that we never heard of or we've forgotten on a lot of people's list. That also kind of goes to show you how... Deep of a library this uh, this year had to offer in terms of quality and to see that also people enjoy you know games from like different genres to see a game like like gt sport i wasn 't expecting to see on anyone 's list but i 've also heard a lot of good things about how they do like the tournaments and the online play and how it really feels like you 're making progress against other people while you 're playing that so just different strokes and people that uh, enjoy different things just coming together just to celebrate that two thousand and seventeen has been in my personal opinion, now that it's all been said and done, I think this is the best gaming year so far, ever. Yeah. That's, that's, just, that's just my opinion. I think is, the, the quality of titles, the variety of the titles, just everything for everybody. Uh, and 2018, I hope, will continue the trend.
1: Yep. I apologize. I read Mookie's list wrong. It was a spreadsheet. Uh huh. The list of games I read were his favorite early access games. Oh, they, so, they were a little obscure. Yeah,
3: so
2: yeah. So
1: I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go through all of his his um, descriptions, but I'll go through his other tabs. Uh, so his special awards were bloody boobs and mirror. <laughs> of course, for bloody boobs, it was category so bad it's good, <laughs> and and mirror was worst game. His best old games were Rain's Blue Estate, the game Killing Floor Two, Warhammer the Intide Vermintide. Hoonie Pop, Thumper. Hoonie Pop? Hoonie Pop. Don't you remember John talking about that game? Actually, I don't, I don't
2: think I was there for that one, no.
1: Yeah, uh, so I'll read this one. Well, you guys know what's up with this game. Uh, like I guess I, there's no description, but it's essentially like a, a Japanese panty puzzle game or something like that. Damn it. Uh, Thumper, Mobile Legends Bang Bang, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Hitman, and Rainbow Six Siege, and then his top ten games were Cuphead, Burrito Bison, <coughs> Launcha Libre. <coughs> Sorry. I was trying to read that. Burrito Bison, a Libre. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm, I'm Googling it. Yeah.
1: I feel
3: like half of these games you could just stick random syllables or words together and I'd... I'd... I couldn't tell if it was a real game or not.
1: I got to read his description of this. Dig this. A band of Mexican wrestlers beating a bunch of evil gummy bears by sling them in the air as far as they can and earn as many scores. You need to activate some crazy combos in midair to reach the end and have a boss fight with an evil gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> this game sounds all right. It
3: sounds, sounds like right. a dream. I'm not going to yeah. say nightmare, but it sounds like a weird mishmash of a dream. <laughs> uh,
1: number eight is Mr. Shifty. I've heard that game's good. I have not played it yet.
2: Yeah, uh, number, I own it, but I, don't, I haven't played
1: it yet either. Number seven is Tekken 7. That's relevant. Number six is okay. Domina. Domina? Is that how you say that? Number five is Slime Rancher. Wombat be proud. Yes. <laughs> number four is Iron Marines. Number three is Shadow of War. Number mm. two is Sonic Mania. All right. And number one is Crash Bandicoot's Insane Trilogy. Crash, wow.
3: It's on my list of, I, I really wanted to play it this year, but it just slipped through the cracks.
1: Yeah, I've played quite a bit of that, and it's really good. But I, for some reason I've always, and, and I don't think people are wrong for putting remasters and remakes on their list, but I just, I can't do it. I just feel like I want to talk more about new games than older games. I enjoy the hell out of remasters and remakes, but I never put them on my lists.
2: Yeah, I did the same thing. I think uh, the nomenclary games would have been on my list if uh, I considered remasters, because the first game was just kind of remade from the bottom up, and that's really great. But you know, it's still the same game.
3: Yeah, if it's a totally new experience, I'm, I'd probably count it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. If it's you know, if it's just an HD version or anything like that, I'm not gonna doesn't deserve the limelight.
1: Yep. All right. Well, that's it. This, I mean, if you've made it this far, I don't know how long Drew's show was.
2: Um. Uh, Drew shows was three people, so I probably guess it's not as much. But John was also there, which means he was probably rambling a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that John. Last chat before you go.
1: Boom. Uh, so if you've made it to the end of this, that's awesome. 2017 from these two shows, as you can tell, were great freaking years for games. Uh, hopefully, like me and like a lot of other people, hearing people talk about these games, hopefully, you know, go try them. You know, Edith Finch I'd heard so many times, and I'm glad I played, because once we got into these conversations, almost everybody talked about that game again, so...
2: I'm surprised it's on as many people's lists as it was. I thought it was going to go all, like, kind of under the radar, so to speak.
1: Well, that's why I like doing these shows in January, because then I get to listen to a lot of other people's games of the year, and I heard that game come up so many times... I nice. was like, I need to, that Night in the Woods, and I opted to play Edith Finch first, because I'd already bought it. I'm like, I've already bought this, let me play through it. But now I think I'm going to go pick up Night in the Woods at some point. Night
2: in the Woods is really good too. But um, the thing about Edith Finch is it's also very short. Yes. In a good way. You know, It just makes its point and just kind of gets out of there. Which I think um, coming coming from having finished like a two, $200 RPG, like short games are good sometimes, guys. They're, they're nice palette cleansers.
1: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. After playing, you know, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Horizon, Mm -hmm. Yakuza Zero, and then Assassin's Creed Origins. I was ready for a game that was over in one sitting. I'm be real honest with you. Yeah. But that is it. That is our games of the year. We are back next week with a normal show. I know Phoenix Down's already started, and you know Cooney Episode One is up. Yep. So you can go listen to that. And Hopefully, we'll be back next week. I mean, if we don't have a skeleton crew, I mean, it seems like we're dropping, like, flies over here.
2: <laughs> uh, Drew's not even married yet. I
1: that's know. Funny. Just wait till he gets yeah. married. You think it's bad now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but that's You're going to be getting a text uh, text every Sunday, like you used to with uh, Jason over there.
1: Yeah, I don't even get a text from Jason anymore, so I just assume that... That,
2: that... that legitimately makes me sad that he no longer texts you to let you know that it's not going to be on.
1: Yeah, yeah, you just assume that if I get a text that, it's, that he is going to be on at this point, okay. so... Yeah. I may never talk to Jason again.
2: <laughs> that's that's disappointing, but yeah, you know, what are you gonna do? It is.
1: But uh here's to a good twenty eighteen. Let's hope it's even half as good as twenty seventeen was.
3: Yep. Still be a pretty good year.
1: It's I think it's gonna be a pretty damn good year. <laughs> but that's it, we out, unless anybody has anything else.
2: We good, man. We I-
1: good. Alrighty. And it goes something like this. <laughs> a fail.
0: Welcome to the N4G Podcast. Oh, you it. It's me, Mario. Zero dollars.
1: This is going to be an interesting episode.
0: Greetings, programs! I got lost trying to find my way to the secret underground N4C radio lair. The all facts! And... Oh, I always lived in anger. You're a killer Wolverine! Play games not possible! No bad boys allowed. Uh, and, then, and then I killed the dragon. Then and then I, point I point killed point the, point the point dragon. Point.